have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. What? If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor. What difference at this point does it make? If you're looking to make sense out of what's going on in the world today, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, Annie, the Radio Chickie Bellis, and featuring Curtis C.S. Bennett and the most interesting guests that you'll find anywhere on Internet radio. And you can join the show and let your voice be heard by dialing 917-889-889. Three six seven five. So sit back, relax, and remember, Southern sense is common sense. Ago, um, they did an update, and I had no idea what they were updating. 
and it screwed up everything, my favorites and things in my registry. I mean, I, I hate when they do that. You know, in old days, you could block that stuff. But now they have it so that, you know, they could do anything with your computer remotely. And that I do not like. Welcome aboard to Big Brother. 1984 is here today. Thank you, Bernie Sanders, AOC, Joe Biden, and all the other SOBs out there. Just get out of my life. Leave me alone. Anyway, we got ourselves, if we can manage this to pull this off today, we've got ourselves great guests. We've got Kurt Schlichter. Um, everyone knows him. He's up in town hall, and uh, uh, you remember him from Breitbart. He's all over Twitter. And he's great. Uh, always a fun guest to have. Believe it or not, he was a uh, colonel in the U.S. Artillery, U.S. Army Artillery, and a stand-up comic. I didn't realize that until I was going back over his uh, bio last night. Um, we've got someone running for governor in New York, and maybe we might get another Italian-American who's Republican, Sheriff Mike Carpinella, uh, Carpinello. Let me pronounce the last name right. I'm fellow Pisano. Uh, he's going to be joining us. And then we have the husband and wife team that comprise of Sugar Cane Jane. And this is where I'm upset because I can't get into everything I needed to do. Matter of fact, even signing into Blog Talk Radio today, I dialed the normal number that's on Skype, and it's telling me the number was changed. Well, Blog Talk Radio, tell me when the F you changed the damn number to, for the host to call in when it's been the same number for the last 10 some odd years. Thank you very much for notifying us on that one. Anyway, rant aside, uh, so we've got Sugar Cane Jane, and they've got some really outrageous, wonderful songs out there that fit into exactly what's going on today. And then we have um, the attorney and author of Postgate, John O'Connor, coming back on. Uh, he's going to be discussing everything that's going on with Andrew Cuomo and <laughs> a lot of other <laughs> things going on, like the McCluskeys. And we're going to follow up with our guest from um, Heritage Foundation, Hans von Spakovsky coming back on again. He's going to be talking about the manipulation of our ballots in the upcoming general election and the dangers that we are facing. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> we've got Sasquatch in the chat room going, speaking of sugar cane, come down with corn syrup and up with cane sugar. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I need a little humor right now because, oh, geez, it has been it has been an outrageous uh, week that we've been facing, Curtis, and uh, my head is actually spinning. And it's been so bad that I have not even gone and gotten my cup of water, and everyone watches me on the video, sees me sipping constantly with my cup of water. I don't even have that in front of me, so I'm freaking out. So forget about sugar high <laughs> or water high. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, Curtis. <laughs> and... It's, it's, uh, you know I'm nuts today. I'm going to be nuts today. <laughs> uh, things are going to get better. Uh, I went to um, to the laundromat today because my washer, uh -oh. something's wrong with it, and i got to get get it checked out. But I went to the local laundromat today, and it was like about 12 people in there, and nobody was wearing masks. That made my day. <laughs> I just had to add that. People are waking up. Oh, well. Well, it was not last weekend, but the weekend before, we had our Back the Blue and First Responders rally. And most of the people were not wearing masks. 
And as far as I know, no one got sick. And you wrote a wonderful editorial pointing out what the CDC admitted that only 6% of the total deaths reported attributed to the COVID virus. Only 6% were actually COVID virus deaths. That comes less than 12,000 nationwide. Our nation is in a lockdown for less than 12,000 deaths. Doesn't make sense. Why are we still on lockdown? Nancy Pelosi, answer that. And Dr. Fauci. These guys get out there in public and they wear the mask, and when they think you're not looking, off with the mask, and, and there's no social distancing. And they get caught. She wasn't set up. She oh, got no, caught. Oh, was it set up? oh, yeah. She was set up. No, no. She didn't make a phone call going, this is Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. I'm third in power in the United States, so you're going to open up and fix my hair. Listen, you 80-some-odd-year-old bat. Go natural. Be honest. Tell the truth for once in your life. (laughs) Oh, no, that's that's not in her DNA to ever tell the truth, Nancy. Nasty Pelosi, as I call her. Nasty Pelosi, or as we call the Dr. Fauci, no, falsy. Have you ever heard a truth out of him? <laughs> and excuse me, will anyone please find that clip for me? And I, I beg you, I heard it on Andrew Wilkow when I was driving my husband up for one of his chemotherapy uh, visits, so I was not able to capture it. But there is a clip out there where Dr. Fauci brags about calling Andrew Cuomo Every day and chatting with him, his best friend, Andrew Cuomo, the one who just turned around and threatened the president of the United States should he ever step foot in New York, much less New York City. Oh, come with your bodyguard, Mr. President. Wonderful elected officials we have out there. Dr. Falsey, Nasty Pelosi, and Andrew, I'm not even going to go there. Because the next word out of my mouth, I'm going to be saying, oh, Lord, please forgive me. Oh, jeez. Anyway. Yeah, you think he was getting a visit by the Secret Service. That's mm. like a vile threat to me. Yeah. Made an on-air, on-the-record, in-your-face, nationwide video threatening the President of the United States. I don't care if you're a governor or if you're a little foot peon. You don't do that. You don't do that without paying the consequences. But as a typical Democrat, we'll slide. We will give him the pass. All right. I started off with a rant. Annie, Annie, calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Yes, we're old school today, and I apologize (laughs) if you're trying to find us up on Facebook or YouTube or any other the myriad places we normally broadcast. But it's been a major F up. So we're not able to do the broadcast the way we normally do. So I deeply apologize for that. Um, we're going to move forward. And today, the, everyone that listens to the show knows we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And let me get my paperwork in order here. I've, I really now have a blazing headache, Curtis, believe it or not. I really do. All right. Uh, today's show is going to be dedicated to um, Sergeant James R. O'Connor, the fourth, 
of the Philadelphia Philadelphia. Police Department. Yes. His end of watch was Friday, March 13th, Friday the 13th of this year, 2020. And this is from NBC Philadelphia. And it starts off, The city of Philadelphia is mourning a police SWAT officer who was shot and killed in the line of duty on Friday morning. SWAT Officer Corporal James O'Connor IV was part of a team serving a homicide warrant at a home on Bridge Street near Duffield Street in the Frankfurt neighborhood at 5.51 a.m. when someone opened fire through a closed door on the second floor. Police Commissioner Danielle Outlaw said the veteran corporal was struck in the shoulder. O'Connor was rushed to Temple University Hospital, where he died at 6.09 a.m. He was 46 years old. It takes a special person to do this job, and that's who this corporal was, Outlaw said. Philly Police Commissioner announced the death of the veteran SWAT officer. She shared the heartbreaking news that Police Corporal James O'Connor was shot while killed while serving a warrant in Frankfurt home. O'Connor was a 23-year veteran of the police force who served his last 15 years on the SWAT team. He was a married father of two. His son is currently a 9th District Police Officer in Philadelphia, and his daughter serves in the U.S. Air Force. The official Twitter account of the police department shared condolences and called O'Connor's death a senseless tragedy. From the Philadelphia Police Department Twitter account, it reads, We are devastated to report the passing of Philadelphia Police Department SWAT Officer Corporal James O'Connor. Corporal O'Connor, married father of two, was shot and killed this morning while serving a warrant on a homicide suspect. We stand with his family and friends and everyone impacted by this senseless tragedy. During the episode, another SWAT officer returned fire striking two people in their lower extremities, Outlaw said. The two other people shot were taken to Einstein Medical Center in stable condition. The SWAT team was looking to arrest Hassan Elliott, a suspect March 2019 robbery and a murder that happened near the house where Friday's deadly gun battle took place. Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner said, Elliot, 21, was not shot. Officers lined the streets as the procession for Philadelphia Officer SWAT Corporal James O'Connor was taken to a Philadelphia funeral home. Elliot is currently in custody, Krasner said. We expect to bring charges for the March 2019 murder and additional charges following today's incident. Krasner's spokesman, Jane Rowe, said... More than one person inside the house had a gun. More charges were expected. Which bullet came for which person, she said, is yet to be determined. In the minutes after the shooting, a heavy police presence, including officers with long long guns, could be seen standing outside the home in that block. The scene wasn't far from the SEPTA's Frankfurt Transport Center. From Denise Nakano TV, 
SWAT Corporal James Jimmy O'Connor shot and killed in the line of duty while serving a warrant. He leaves behind a son on the Philadelphia Police Force and a daughter in the Air Force. Philadelphia police officers and leadership, including Commissioner Outlaw and Fraternal Police of Order, Fraternal Order of Police President John McNesby and Mayor Jim Kenny, rushed to the hospital to give their condolences. An emotional Kenny praised the work of O'Connor and all Philly officers outside of the hospital and then released this prepared statement. I am grief-stricken to learn of the tragic death of Philadelphia Police Corporal James O'Connor. Today, like every day, he demonstrated the ultimate form of heroism, putting out his uniform, leaving his family, and carrying out his sworn duty to protect the residents of this city. I share my deepest condolences with those who knew and loved Corporal O'Connor. I ask all Philadelphians to keep his family and all members of the police department in your prayers at this difficult time. Corporal O'Connor is a courageous hero who made the ultimate sacrifice while protecting and serving the citizens of Philadelphia. Fraternal Order of Police State Lodge President Les Neary said in a statement, His dedication and bravery will live on forever. Our heartfelt condolences go to Corporal O'Connor's family and friends during this time. Philadelphia City Council President Darrell Clark and Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolfe also offered condolences and statements. Kreser's promise to fill to fully prosecute everyone involved, as his officers revealed more about Elliot, who had been paroled in 2018 after serving about a year on a felony gun possession charge. He was later charged with violating that probation. Today's show is dedicated to Philadelphia now promoted posthumously Sergeant James R. O'Connor, the fourth of the Philadelphia Police Department. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women out there that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We also dedicate this show to all those that serve in our military. From the birth of this nation through today, and into our magnificent future as we re-elect President Donald Trump. We dedicate to them this song by Dave Bray. Last call. May God bless each and every one.
tell her I'm sorry Apologize. I this has been one day. Uh, <laughs> we are here listening to Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Actually, only on Blog Talk Radio it's not that today. Bad. Jeez, I mean, 
I, I've got all this expensive equipment all hooked up to these two wonderful computers, and I just can't get anything to work today. I have no idea what went wrong, but it's we're here. We're here, and hopefully we're going to have our guests able to call in and speak with us. Uh, so I don't know what I'm doing today, Curtis. Oh, please bail me out. <laughs> bail hey, me out, please. It's going to work out. It's going to work oh, out, like geez. I said. It's going to turn out better uh, than you think. Well, I, I hope. I hope. Right now I am in the midst, as I'm talking, of trying to upload all this music of Sugarcane Jane so we can be able to at least play it while we interview them. So if you hear the clicking of the keyboard in the background, it is Annie fervently, furiously trying to get this to work. Oh, man. I mean, because their music just falls into everything that's going on today. It is absolutely out, uh, beautiful, beautiful music. We're waiting for our first guest to call in. Oh, good Lord, Curtis, uh, I have to send you a phone number for you to call one of our guests. Um, but we're waiting for Kurt yeah, instructor to call in. Uh, so just text it to you. Yeah, if I can find it. Uh, yeah, yeah, here it is. I got it. I found it. <laughs> Talk about being okay. upside down and backwards. Holy moly, Annie, get your act together here, girl. Ah, oh, jeez. Anyway, um, we've got a great show lined up and a lot to, uh, to talk about because so much has been going on, especially this, this this last few days, much less the last few weeks. And I'm watching the audio slowly uploading here on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, good Lord. Hopefully by the time Sugar Cane Jane gets on, it'll be fully uploaded. What a nightmare. What a nightmare this is. Anyway, um... Nancy Pelosi, holy cow. Has anyone shown any more arrogance than this woman? Well, you know, the image I still have of Nancy Pelosi is um, at the State of the Union ripping up the speech. I thought that was very that... immature and very unprofessional and, and you know, conduct unbecoming um, um, of a, a leader of her, you know, level and nature. Well, if you remember, while he was doing that speech, she had that condescending clap, right? Where she extend, I wish I had the video so people would see what I'm doing, where she extended her arms all the way out and is clapping as if she was, like, imitating this is like a phony clap. I'm not really clapping oh, yeah. the speech. I'm just make, mocking you. And she did that through the entire speech that Trump did, the State of the Union. And Yeah, and that sour, sour expression of hers. Oh, God. I wouldn't want to see that on Fright Night. <laughs> you know, I, I got to tell a funny story because when I first got on Twitter before Trump became president, uh, when we still had Obozo, I mean, oh, excuse me, Obama. <laughs> really, excuse me. Obama was our president. Um, I used to put up these little things to get more fo- followers onto my Twitter account, and some of them would be. Um, Follow me, follow me. Otherwise, if you don't, you'll wake up naked, handcuffed to nasty Pelosi, <laughs> or you'll find yourself sitting naked on Michael Moore's lap. <laughs> so, oh, that's a horrible visual. <laughs> Son of blubber. Son of blubber. He's been curiously quiet. 
quiet. He only once in a while comes out saying, hey, listen, you know, guys, stop this stuff about bashing Trump because what you're doing is you're actually hurting our cause. And in a way, he's absolutely truthful in that. You know, he still may be a liberal at heart, but, you know, you got to give the guy a little kudos for some honesty and realizing that in what they're doing is hurting their own cause. Yeah, quite a few of their um, celebrity types and uh, news media types have, have you know, made that, that known that, hey, we're hurting our own chances. You know, what you're doing out there is going to guarantee Trump another four years. So whatever they had planned to do, you know, with these riots and peaceful protests that we know aren't so peaceful, is backfiring on them. That's a good mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Now, I'm looking at my uploads of sound for our guests, Sugar Cane, Jane, and some of them have titles and some of them don't. Wonderful. Thank you, BTR, for messing up another wet dream. So I have no idea what I just got here. So we're just going to have to wing it. Holy moly. If, if, if anything can go wrong, it is going wrong today. Mm. And I see one twice entered and two different time frames so i have no idea what i got here so i'm going to have to do some of these over again anyway as Mm. we go on and people are not going to care what i'm talking about because they have no idea what i'm doing here (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh jeez Holy moly. Anyway, um, I want to welcome everyone that's listening here on Blog Talk Radio, our friends that always show up all the time, Sasquatch, Duck, and Cheap, as well as our good friend Sweet Sue listening in in the sidelines. And I'm hoping our guest, Kurt Schlichter, can call in, and maybe I can send him a message, and maybe he's listening in. Um, Let me see if I can do that. Anyway, uh, (laughs) geez, I Curtis. I, I, it's one of those days. It's one of those days. <laughs> it is. But, I mean, the reality we were used to living in just seems to have gone away of the twilight zone. When I was up in Philadelphia last week, I did get an opportunity to get away for an overnighter in Atlantic City. And, of course, we all know that um, New Jersey is a highly democratic, you know, fortress and um i would say 98 percent of the people i saw on the boardwalk were you know wearing masks and even riding bicycles and on the beach with masks on in a clear open beautiful sky you know and there was nothing to do but go into casinos and things so i didn't even go into casinos i just went out in town, purchased some food and hung out on the beach and, or, you know, in the hotel room. And, um, I did not enjoy myself. It wasn't the same as when we used to go to Atlanta city, um, pre casino days when I was young, a young boy. But, um, I think I like Wildwood a lot better, but I'll tell you this much. I was <laughs> well, well to Curtis, back to Florida. Let's- Curtis, let's 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 welcome our guest back onto the show. Welcome Kurt Schlichter. Uh he is a frequent contributor to Town Hall, up on Twitter all the time. I love this guy. He originally came on board as a conservative commentary drafted by Andrew Breitbart. 
uh, an attorney and a man all about town. Welcome aboard, Kurt. And I got to apologize. We're a little old school today. For some reason, all the expensive equipment I have sitting in my studio is not working. So I had to go old school. And I'm like little Jody sitting in mom's basement right now. (laughs) So I apologize. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is a pleasure. I have to mention also, so I can also promote the last book you wrote, unless you got one that I don't, I'm not aware of, Militant Normals: How Regular Americans Are Rebelling Against the Elite. Oh, you're, you're one book elite. off. That's I see. I, I see. You got to keep me in the loop. Twenty-one Biggest Lies of Don, about Donald Trump and you was out in July. It's a big hit. Everyone should go get it. Oh, well, now you've got to send it to me, so now I have to have you back on after I read it, review it, and get you to talk to me again. (laughs) (laughs) Gee, I'm I'm good at shaming people, aren't I? It's the Italian in me. (laughs) Well, well, I'm an attorney, too, and as you know, I had my shame genes surgically removed. (laughs) Well, you know, there was a joke in my family because I had uh, my uncle, my mother's brother, had worked for the hospital. Uh, my sister is an attorney, and I'm a retired cop, but I was a police officer. So we had one to, to collar them, one to bring them down, one to put them in jail, and one to bury them. It's <laughs> the way we said our family did it. <laughs> we well, you know, I, I like it. Yeah, it's vertical integration. <laughs> I like that one. <clears throat> but, you know, everything you've written about in your books <clears throat> is coming true today. And we were seeing it in full-blown Insanity. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm a visionary. Uh, my my novels are also uh, uh, about similar topics, and uh, yeah, they're all coming true. It's uh, it's kind of strange, but I have no fear. I'm not worried. <laughs> What'll happen you know, will I... happen, and we'll end up on top. Well, you know, I, I have to laugh. Um, unfortunately, since my video is not working, so I couldn't video broadcast today, but people who have seen my broadcast know about the change in my hair with the COVID virus, how it got really long and nasty looking. So my husband used to be a hairdresser, and so he decided to try to cut my hair. But there's a problem with that, Kurt. He's got macular uh-huh. degeneration. So if you're partially blind, don't let that person cut your hair. <laughs> Yeah, I would think that's kind of a baseline qualification. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anyway, when our our state decided to open up the hair salons, the barbershops, I finally went and got my hair trimmed. So now I'm like, I've got this butch haircut. So I'm laughing because now you're in the the, uh, Confederate, or I could say the communist state of California, and Nancy Pelosi decided to go and break quarantine and go get her hair cut. I didn't break quarantine, mind you. She did. And oh, I break Mo quarantine and... all the time. I don't uh, I don't obey laws that uh, <laughs> uh, are facially unconstitutional and idiotic. I'm an American <laughs> citizen. It doesn't apply to me. Well, actually, I carry in my purse uh, this little pamphlet I created 
about the violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act, since I am disabled, as well as the HIPAA Act. If you dare ask me why I'm not wearing a mask, uh, you want to ask me medically why I'm not doing it, you can be subject to a $250,000 fine or 10-year penalty. Or if you violate the Americans with Disabilities Act, you get up to 150000 Oh, people get a little upset when you mention that. You notice that. But it doesn't apply to nasty Pelosi. Nothing applies to them. Remember, rules are designed to keep us in check. Norms are in charge, and uh, norms and regulations and procedures and traditions, they're all designed to keep us in check. They don't apply to the people who use them, which is why they don't apply to me. Yeah, it's funny because I've I've actually, my husband and I have turned off a lot of the news stations, don't even watch Fox anymore. We've gone to Newsmax. And I heard someone repeat something I've said very often, and my co-host will curtis c.s bennett who's written 25 books going in 26 or something like that one being made into a movie uh, that's, um, that's close close <laughs> close i've always said uh, laws for thee but not for me and i heard someone on newsmax say the very same thing and i said maybe someone's listening to my show but that's what the elite think it, it applies to thee but not to me and well i enjoy yeah, I enjoy annoying them because, I, I mean, <laughs> yes, because I, 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 you know, on paper, I fit in with them, right? I, I came from California. You know, I was from the Bay Area. I went to, you know, a UC. I've got a whole bunch of degrees. I've got all their qualifications and checks. I, you know, as a colonel, I write books. You know, I have all their qualifications because they're very, very into credentials because they've never actually done anything. So they're super into credentials, and I have all their credentials, and I just think they're garbage, and I tell them, <laughs> and, and it freaks them out. I mean, yesterday, I, uh, after these you know, lies about the president and this, this, this uh, Marine thing, it's just so transparently stupid, only a liberal could believe it, and they did. And I'm sitting there you know, hassling the uh, uh, reporter, the military, quote-unquote military reporters who uh, uh, wrote it. And they, they, they just can't believe it. How can you, how can you call me a lying piece of garbage? Said, well, that's what you are. You, 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 <laughs> no one should trust you. You're, you're just you're garbage. Your whole industry's garbage. You're not special. You're not important. You don't matter. You suck. And they're just like, well, <laughs> why, why aren't you respecting me? Uh, you know, I can't. You know, I, I can't believe you know, it was three three anonymous high officers of the Pentagon told us these things. And I'm like, okay, first of all, when you're when you're telling me like generals and colonels are saying something, I can tell you're not a colonel because you're impressed. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because uh, I had made a comment on my show, I think it was maybe about six years ago. Somehow or other, the military times stopped being – for the military. Oh, it's it garbage. Became a oh, 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 yeah. I had all these liberals tell me, I can't believe you say someone who wrote for Military Times is a liberal. And I'd be like, well, okay, since, since you weren't in the Army, I'll say it super slow. <laughs> they're liberals. And they're like, oh, I can't believe they're closing down Stars and Stripes. And I'd be like, I can't believe in 2020 they still have Stars and Stripes because there's a thing called the Internet. And, and, and and it's getting really popular among the kids, um, you know. It's just, it's, and, and I'm getting all these people going. I can't believe you think that the military is full of liberals. Well, have you ever been around 
senior active duty officers? What, what do you what do you think they do for us? They're they're government employees. They their whole job is telling other people what to do all the time. Do you think they could suddenly switch into like free market libertarians the second they have to actually go do a real job? You know, I mean, I, I, come on. Yeah, well, come on. Look at Stanley McChrystal's or yeah, it's Colin Powell. Come on, they're a bunch of freaking corporatists. Now, I like the military. I'm not, I, you know, that's that's what they. But I, I'm, I'm not even saying that's necessarily bad because I think it's inevitable when you have an active duty military that you're going to get people in it who enjoy, you know, a hierarchical lifestyle that's not full of entrepreneurial people doing what they want to do. It self selects. But to to, to to pretend that they're not what they are, come on, save it for the sauce, man. Oh, we're, we're doing your stand-up routine here. <laughs> I gotta oh, tell that's you, the other I thing. Was, I, I was a stand-up, right? I, I was yes, active I duty and I was reserve. So I actually well, I, have like three or four careers, and that freaks these guys out too because they, you know, what have you done? Well, I've been in the army. Oh, really? Well, I have a lot of varied experience. I was in an infantry battalion and an armor battalion. Okay, I mean, that's great. I like infantry and armor battalions. I commanded a cavalry uh, battalion squadron. I, I mean, I like them, but, you know, you're not getting this huge breadth of experience. I was, you know, I was doing stand-up. I was doing trials. I was writing books. You know, I have a little different view. So... <laughs> Well, you know, it's now. funny because people have a tendency to put people, other people in a box. And when I start to tell people about my background, you know, uh, I, as a kid, I, 10, 11, 12 years old, selling stuff door to door just to get a couple extra nickels, a babysitting, whatever. Growing up, I tended bar, I waitressed, I worked as a cashier in a grocery store. You know, I owned my first business at the age of 20. I put myself through college working three part-time jobs because I couldn't get a student scholarship or grant because I was the wrong race and color. But I went and paid everything. I had no loans straight through, owned my own first business at the age of 20, which was a travel agency, had 13 employees, sold that to manage a law firm, which was a, out of Great Neck, New York, on the Miracle Mile, was a mid-sized law firm, uh, American Express. As I climbed the corporate ladder of American Express business travel, my exclusive clients was the Boston MTA and the Boston Bruins. They would not talk to anyone else. And I left that, walking away from that, to become a New York City cop. Upon retirement, I helped my husband open his print, his own printing business, which we ran for a number of years. And then we went. He decided to leave that to become a home inspector. And then I became not only a graphic artist, but knowledgeable in home thing. Uh, but now I do the radio show for the last ten years as a Tea Party uh, chairperson and then a member of my GOP county executive board. And the, the turnaround goes, but you're you're a white woman. You're supposed to be a Democrat. But excuse me, you put me in a box the same way they put you in a box. That that yeah, fits their I, narrative, I, doesn't it's, it? It's so many, and and one of the most gratifying things about this electoral cycle is I'm watching people who you are told again and again could never be part of our party. I'm watching this great convention, and it's this all all kinds of different people who are all the same because they all want to be Americans and they all want to be free, and. So many of these folks have stood – I mean the stuff that Tim Scott stands up to, the ugliness, just the 
I mean, who, who raised the people who say these things to Tim Scott? Wolves? I mean, and this guy just courageously just keeps on doing his thing. I mean, I'm listening to his story uh, when at, at the Republican convention. I'm listening to uh, Ann Dorn. I'm listening to uh, the guy who escaped from Cuba like my, my wife and her family did. And I'm just thinking, this is a party I want to be a part of. Because it's all these different people with all sorts of neat things in their backgrounds, and they won't get put in a box. I, look, I am look, I am so white. Mitt Romney thinks I'm ethnic. Okay, you know, I mean, <laughs> I am that. I am, I am, you know, I am a miracle whip. So, so no one's surprised that that I'm I'm a Republican. But there are all these other people who are seeing what the Republican Party is really about and coming, and it takes a lot of courage to do it. It takes a lot of courage to stand up and be told, you know, you are just these horrible things because of your race or gender or sexual identity or all this, all this stuff that doesn't matter in the eyes of God, which in the end of the day is really the only thing that matters. And it, it, it's just really gratifying to watch people refuse to be put in the box, even though they're going to catch crap for it. You know, it's it's funny because I've got a, a very lovely neighbor. She's a good friend of mine, but she's an ultra liberal across the street from me, and she's now involved in this uh, police reform movement. And knowing that I'm on the opposite side, and we often have a good conversation, not an argument. No, you know, we don't hate each other. We still are good friends. This is what we're lacking today. But she approached me yesterday, and I had a laugh. And she was going about white privilege. And she happens to be white herself. And she's going on and on and on. And I said, why are you blaming me for something I had nothing to do with? Why are you placing the sins of your fathers, not mine, because I'm only second generation American here, the sins of your fathers upon my shoulders? Why are you asking reparations from me? And she goes on and on about old white men. And I said, oh, yeah, like Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders? Yeah, they are very guilty no, look, of the very all... thing that they are accusing everyone else of. And why are they creating a victim's class and making us pay the penalty for something we had nothing to do with? Tell me that, please, Kurt. Well, I, I, it's all a lie and a scam to redistribute power to people who didn't earn it. Okay, my privilege is based uh, begins in Foster City, California, with me mopping out a toilet at a Carl's Jr. restaurant. That's 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 where my privilege uh, begins. Not back in uh, 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 in Stuttgart, where uh, the last Schlichter in Germany 250 years ago was packing up to get on a boat. Um, it, it what what it is is a way to try and leverage. Uh, the, the, the genuine niceness of Americans, because Americans are genuinely nice people. I know. I see it overseas. I've seen it here. Uh, to try and leverage their niceness against them by you know, offering these morally illiterate analyses that we're expected to buy. And I think the, the, the only answer is to uh, – well, first of all, to say no, I, I like to add laughing at them. And on Twitter, I usually like to add some insults about their mother. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you, you can't take when, when somebody, you know, if somebody starts talking to me, a white privilege, I just start laughing. I say, well, I'll tell you what. No, we, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be party to anything that characterizes anything 
by their racial heritage at all, ever. No, I, I don't care if you feel strongly about it. I don't care if you actually genuinely believe this idiocy. I am never going to participate in it. You're going to literally have to kill me. If you're not willing to literally kill me, then I think you ought to stop wasting your time because I am not going to do it. You don't have the moral high ground. You don't have any more morality, much less high ground. Stop. And they just, they just look at you like you're insane because you say no. Yeah, yeah they do. Which and makes it my even more fun. But, but my co-host, Curtis, who I'm ragging on today, uh, who also happens to be a military <laughs> veteran of the U.S. Navy, uh, the Gulf War. Cool. Um, Me too. He will attest. I, 30 years. He will Thank attest you for your service. That, oh, I was a colonel. Will, I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you just had everyone do it for you. You, you guys <laughs> laugh. You really think I did something. <laughs> God, I put one over on you. Uh, I got to tell you a funny story because my ex-husband was a marine, is a marine, reti- retired though. Um, he used to do with the reserves and he used to laugh because some of the reservists would come in, and they'd walk around the base carrying just a clipboard. And matter, matter of fact, they served under Colonel Raymond Kelly, who I knew, and then served under as a, he, my police commissioner. They would walk around the base with oh. just a clipboard and scribbling on the clip clipboard and finally someone asked these two guys why they what they were doing and after months of them doing that they were just scribbling they had no job they just showed up for weekend reserve duty <laughs> walked around the base <laughs> with a clipboard <laughs> pretending they were doing something that's our military <laughs> so that's what yeah, the colonels that's, do uh, I guess. That, that's, the, that, that's the most review, uh, that's the most uh, reserve colonel thing I've ever heard Anyway, uh, I forgot what the train of thought I had now, uh, but I wanted to introduce you to my co-host, Curtis, so that the two of you got to know each other. Um, but, you know, we're, we're looking at today's society, and they keep on trying to put us into these boxes. And then you have someone like Nasty Pelosi pull a stunt and say she's set up. And now the poor salon owner is getting death threats. They're going to have to move the salon because people are threatening to destroy it. I think she just made a whole bunch of small business owners that may have voted Democrat Republicans. What do you say? Um, I, I think I think all the and my uh, town hall column for uh, Monday, uh, which I wrote this morning way early, is uh, on that. I think the movement is all from uh, Biden over to Trump. I don't think there is anyone moving back. There is no one saying, you know, who impresses me, that creepy old senile weirdo from the basement. That guy's super impressive. His mastery of the language, his control of the issues, uh, his uh, not molesting any women who are within his uh, reach, at least while on camera. He's really got it down. I want to be a part of what Joe Biden's bringing to America. There's literally no one saying that. I'm seeing uh, – I I saw just yesterday I saw someone move from uh, 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 Hillary to Trump. And, and and small business owners have got to look at it and go, you know, if if Biden gets in, he's going to side with the guys who want to burn down my business because the Democrats do side with those people. Well, you know, well, he's it, gonna, it comes up with the – well, Curtis, I wanted to mention the question that take, was in the, ch- in the chat room uh, because someone had asked – because you had said you never knew of anyone um, – 
that voted for Trump that has now moved over to Biden. So you've seen the opposite happen. People go from Biden over to Trump. Yeah, yeah. I see people go to Biden to Trump. I saw one yesterday, someone I knew, uh, someone I've known a long time and was very anti-Trump. And, you know, yesterday was like, you know, essentially I, I, I've, I've got to go with him. Uh, I have to, and, and I'm not, when I say zero, I'm not exaggerating. I'm looking for, well, I'm a military guy. I want to know what the facts are, even if they're ugly, especially if they're ugly. You know, I want to know if Trump was losing because then I can do something about it or my small part about doing something of it. But I have, in, in the months I've been making this effort, I have not encountered any personally. Now, I've had other people, you know, well, you know, my, my grandma, my mom and dad back in Kansas, they, they, they were they were staunch Republicans, and Trump so traumatized them. They're they're voting for Biden now, and all I can think of is maybe they just doing it, telling you that so you don't cry and embarrass them again. But the, the, the but but uh, and of course all that you know every every week we have the same set of Republicans who were for Hillary in 2016 forming like another Republicans for Biden thing, and it's always the same guys, and they're always losers. Yeah, I mean, it's always Romney. the same guys, but they, they, they haven't changed. Bill Crystal, yeah. Oh, what I was going to say, <laughs> what I was going to say was that um, they, are, they are always reporting that Trump does not have the support of white women, and I don't, I don't believe that because women, they, they, they are strong when it comes to um, subjects like protection protection and yep. things like that and Trump is a, a law and order type of guy and and believe you me if I was Trump to counter all this I would say look look at these clips of um sleepy or creepy Joe touching young girls and and, and ah, putting his hands so you know <laughs> you know violating their space and I think that would speak volumes Trump would, would not have to say a thing I, I, th- I think you're right. Look, there's and, and it, it, you know, and it's not just that he's personally creepy. It's that his whole party is like that, because this is a party of JFK who was, you know, molesting interns, the party of Ted Kennedy, who drove one into a, a, a pond and drowned her, the party of Bill Clinton, oh, yeah. the party of um, oh, uh, Harvey Weinstein. Bubba. Yeah, exactly. This, this is a party that always uses and abuses women. Okay, they use the abortion thing against them. You know, abortion is you know, abortion. It's a women's it. No, man, it's a way for men to get our responsibility. You know, bad men love abortion. That's that's a gift to them. The uh, yeah, and it's you know they destroy the family. It's the it's the mom who's got to raise the kids. It's the single moms out there who's stuck raising the kids. Most of the dads off into the wind because they've destroyed the family. So they always look. It's it's like they're dating this guy who sticks them with a check, and they keep coming back for another date. I don't understand it. Well, I think you wrote an article about exactly that issue about the I Democratic did. Party leaving the women with the tab, and yep. women keep on paying it, paying it, paying it, and yet. They're saying women are, tend to be Democrat. Yeah, I uh, 
and I think I think a lot of them are are seeing through it. I think a lot of people you didn't, are, who aren't supposed to be Republicans are taking a close look at Donald Trump and saying, "Wait, my life's a lot better under Trump." I get I keep getting sold a bill of goods by these Democrats, but Trump has performed lowest unemployment ever. You know, today we dropped about two percent unemployment. We're down under eight and a half percent. It's unbelievable how we're coming back, and. What, what, like we're supposed to expect Joe Biden to make this happen? Joe Biden had eight years as vice president and couldn't do this. Trump's, Trump's crushing it. Yeah, the women are left holding the, the tab. You know, they're left with the, the, the fatherless children. They're left with having to work the job, bringing the, the household in. And they're left with all the other responsibilities and yet they keep on falling for the pablum that the Democratic Party is giving them. But I think the women are not going to vote Democrat this year. I think you're going to find the majority of women turning around voting Republican. I, I certainly hope so. I think, look, I think we're going to, look, I think we're winning. Now, I don't believe the polls. The polls tell me they're tightening. I think that's just the media trying to uh, uh, hedge its bets. So it doesn't look completely ridiculous. But I think the media definitely wants to use polls to discourage us. Uh, I don't think that's I don't think that's working because no one believes them. Uh, I look, I'm in deep blue California. I walk around. I don't see any Biden signs. I walked four miles just before I got here, before I restarted this. I'm still sitting out front all covered with sweat and goo. It's disgusting. Didn't see a oh, Biden nice sign. Picture. And again, I don't. I don't <laughs> yeah, I know. Pretty, huh? I don't mean one. I don't mean two. I mean none. I'm in Ted Lou's district. I saw no Biden signs. Yesterday I saw for the first time a Trump sign on a house in Hermosa Beach, California. That's now that that's unprecedented. Um, anecdotally, like I said, I don't know anyone who's moved uh, Trump to Biden. I know plenty have moved the other way. That's anecdotal, but. That's really all we got. The only data point we have are the polls, and they are unscientific and unreliable, uh, as we have seen, and uh, easily manipulable. And frankly, I don't think the media would have a second hesitation to, you know, play with them, play games. Yeah, so it's that's kind of where we are. Yeah, here in South Carolina, we don't see a much. I, I don't think I've seen. Maybe two bumper stickers, Biden, but I've seen nothing on anyone's lawn. Uh, the only thing I have seen, because we've got Lindsay, oh, I'm going to say it the wrong way, I still call him Lamesy Gramnesty, uh, Lindsey Graham here oh. running for re-election, and he's got an opponent who happens to be an avid communist. I've seen his signs on the lawn, but I don't see anything with Biden at all, outside of two bumper stickers. And I was wondering how long see before those Trump? cars would have dents on their fence. I've seen Trump. I have seen Trump. Yeah, I, I've actually seen people with yeah. Trump flags. Yeah, I, I just think I think more and more people are coming out, but still a lot of people are hidden. A lot of people are hidden. Absolutely. Well, Kurt, it has been an absolute pleasure. Um, we've got another guest coming up right behind you, someone another Italian-American running for governor in the state of New York. So maybe we have a uh, an, uh, an heir to George Pataki coming up. Possible. You never know, Kurt. Well, good luck. <laughs> 
Well, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. I'm looking at all my notes, and I have not touched one-tenth of what I was going to talk to you about. Believe it or not. Yeah, I always, I take, over. I always take over interviews, and I always take over <laughs> interviews and talk about what interests me. Well, so that's, that's kind of how it works. Well, well, next time, it can't be just half an hour. It's got to be for the full hour. That's it. You have to pledge me and send me your book. Well, you know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Always up on Twitter. People just go to your name, Kurt Schlichter, find you up on Town Hall, and you are always a breath of fresh air. Thanks a lot. All right. And God bless for the hard work you do, sir. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Kurt Schlichter, find him up at on Twitter, at Kurt Schlichter. Also find him up on Town Hall. Uh, check him out. He's got a new article coming out on Monday. I'm going to look forward to reading it. He's always a blast. Oh, man, I wish I could have heard one of his uh, stand-up comedy routines. Anyway, going to yeah. welcome another paisano uh, from New York. Uh, I'm losing my New York dialect, but he still probably has his sheriff, Mike Carpinelli. Buongiorno. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, man. Good afternoon. I didn't know there were any Italians upstate New York. <laughs> that was quite a lot of us, believe it or not. <laughs> actually, actually, Lake George gained a great pizzeria because uh, the Godfather, the restaurant scene in the Godfather where they shot up the, the pizzeria was shot in Westbury, New York. My favorite, Frank's Pizzeria, right by, down by the Westbury train station. Um, he then went and sold his restaurant after they made the movie and he got his millions, he moved up to Lake George. So at least I know of one Italian up in state New York. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a true story. Very good. Oh man. <laughs> well, welcome aboard. And you know, I, I, I was trying to make notes for you and I, I, because of so much that is going on in New York with Governor Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio, I, I, I don't even know where to start with you because um, what they pulled in the last couple of days just has my mind spinning. You have a governor of a state that threatened on camera, on air, in front of the media, the president of the United States. Yes, that's outrageous. Did. Yes, he did. Nah, he's he's very arrogant. That's that's the problem. His his, his arrogance, his his uh, his ego has overridden uh, common sense in the position uh, that he that, that that he holds that he answers to the people for all the people. Well, here's my question to you: um, With the stunt that he and Mayor De Blasio played with this COVID virus. Should you be elected governor of New York, will you hold them criminally responsible? If if it's not already done before that, yes, ma'am, I, I would do what I could, you know, to, to honor the people that that passed because of his, um, you know, because of his, mis- uh, you know, the, the misgivings that he gave people. Yes. You know, it, it, it's uh, I moved out of New York back in January of 2001, came down to the south. Uh, mainly because of high taxes and the way I was seeing the political environment in New York. And I no longer wanted to live under that uh, that atmosphere and the heavy burden. Uh, but what I have seen going on in New York, uh, it makes my heart break. I, a good friend of mine, he used to actually walk me to school. He would meet me uh, on Post Avenue in Westbury and walk me to, to school every day. Um, 
he lost his uh, father-in-law and his mother to the COVID virus because they were in nursing homes wherein Cuomo would put the COVID patients. Now, anyone with a half an ounce of sense knows that nursing homes are not urgent care facilities. They don't have the ability, the training, the staff, or the equipment to deal with emergency situations, which is why when someone goes critical, they transport them from a nursing home to the hospital. But they did the opposite, which it it blows my mind. Yeah. Well, I I think that, you know, some of the reason he did it for, too, is is obviously for the financial gain uh, of of some of the uh, the hospitals. When they're they're bringing in um, the people from the nursing home into the hospital, they're going to take up a bed uh, and the care they need in the critical care units. What they're doing is, is instead of using the, you know, uh, the Medicare, Medicaid, uh, billing it as the way I was understanding it, you put the, you, t- you take the, the senior citizen, send them back to the nursing home, it now allows for another pro- uh, the citizen from the outside and the regular general public to come in. They're hospitalized, and their insurance company is built, and then the, uh, the, the hospital receives um, the, the, the funding from that. I, it's, that's just part of what I heard, part of what, 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 what we saw, and. It was it was a travesty. It was a travesty to the, to the human lives and the, and the people that um, that trusted uh, our governor to do the right thing, have a heart, um, not once again look at uh, um, at uh, you know notoriety, national notoriety, uh, and, and and money. And this is what happens. And I was hearing also that every person that was labeled a COVID victim. Um, that facility would get an additional $35,000 per dead body. That's correct, and, yes, ma'am. And, to, and that, to me, is criminal. Now, sure. Now, we're finding now that the CDC is admitting that 94% of the people labeled as COVID victims dying from COVID have not died, have died from another reason, whether it's cancer, uh, cardiac incident, or whatever, only 6% were actually died from the COVID virus. And when you tally that number, that's less than 12,000 people nationwide. So I, my question is, is why is New York State then still on a lockdown? Is it because of the mishandling of the circumstance by Mayor de Blasio and Governor Cuomo? Or is it just for a political reason? It is for political reasons, absolutely for political gain. Um, unfortunately, when when uh, our legislators, our, our, our senators gave the emergency uh, powers to the executive orders to go out, um, they lost control of, of their governor. He he just exacerbated. Um, he saw, like they say, uh, a, a a good crisis. Um, he used it to his advantage, and uh, and and has been doing so ever since. I mean, we have uh, up here in the state of New York. We have what they call a pause order hotline that basically you can phone in um, anonymously, complaints for people not wearing masks in stores, uh, not social distancing, and that information goes just to the local county sheriff, the county executive, and the county attorney. Now, why in God's name are they sending us that information if somebody's not wearing a mask or social distancing? I'm not going to go out there and arrest anybody for that. I'm not going to shut down a business or, or, or haul somebody's, uh, you know, a livelihood away uh, because of that. 
that should have been upon the people to make that decision. And, and once again, it's an, it's an overreach by the governors of a private hotline uh, that's anonymous. Now, 911, as we know, was, was put into effect a long time ago because it was a, an easy number to remember for everybody to call the police on an emergency or ambulance or fire. Um, why, didn't, why didn't the governor just go along with that? Why did you send you know, to 911 for that? It's because he wanted to have his own private information uh, to look at um, what was going on and, and, and what uh, people would literally uh, turn on each other. I, I think that's, yep. that, that goes back to another time in our, in our era in, in, in another, another country that we saw that done um, you know, to the Jewish population in Germany. It, it, that, that's what it reminds me of. It's not right. You know, here in South Carolina, they're pretty lax, um, even though my county has extended a man, quote, mandate for masks mm-hmm. when you're in a public building, even requiring the employees to wear the masks. Um, I went the other day to the local hardware store. I ran in uh, without a mask on, without any sort of face covering, and no one stopped me. However, I've had it where even my physical therapist has told me they won't treat me unless I wear some sort of face covering. I'm someone who cannot wear a mask, very simply. So Mm -hmm. now I carry with me a little pamphlet I made, and I tell my listeners, if you want it, reach out to me. I will send you the PDF copy. You can print it out on your own, citing the HIPAA Act and the Americans with Disability Act. They ignore that completely. And the penalties that go with it. You know what I would love to see? People of New York that are being impinged upon because of this mask mandate do a class action lawsuit against the governor and against the mayor of New York. I'd love to see that. Hit them in they their should. wallet. Yes, absolutely they should. And, and, and the, thing that, the thing that I think that scares people away is the fact that there's uh, uh, so many uh, hands in the pocket of our current governor that he's that – he's, uh, uh, taken care of, and it's a far-reaching uh, web, and a lot of people sold their souls to to gain um, whatever they wanted to gain from him being uh, the governor in this state, and it, it, it absolutely infiltrated into our our political realm, and we've become a pretty much a one-party state of rule, and 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 that's not that's not going to exist here. Hopefully, in in a year, in a year and a half, a year nine months, when I just when I when I come out to run against them. On this, we, there, there are a lot of people that are not getting their voices heard. There's a lot of people who are not being represented by this governor, and he is, he is going and pushing uh, the far left side, uh, not, not just a Democrat, I, I'm saying, uh, the far left side on a progressive socialist uh, movement, and we're not going to tolerate that. You know, uh, we're, we're seeing in cities across America, especially New York City, this rise of the Black Lives Matter movement. And I had a conversation with my liberal neighbor across the street, and I love her dearly. And thankfully, we are able to have a discourse without screaming at each other and throwing paint at each other or whatever. But we're we're seeing a lack of civility with this rise of this anarchist movement. There's no other way to describe it. And no one is being held accountable. So when you become governor, will you turn around no such thing as Black Lives Matter. It's all human lives matter. There's only one race. It's the human race, and we are equal in the eyes of the law. And that, and, and would you then enforce the laws in that manner? 
I, I, like I said, I, I um, you said I, I agree 100 percent with you. All lives matter. You know, it, it's we, why why are we still continuing from the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, you know, 80s, 90s into this time now of still going on color? Why do we have to um, all those times judge people or uh, you know you use color as a as an excuse uh, you know to, to, to further someone? Stop with that. I think that's completely disrespectful. Um, why don't we go on, on on people's merits, on 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 their their um, their heart, uh, their education, their livelihood, how well they work, on what they do to try to further and better themselves in our society, as everybody should, and as everybody pretty much does. Um, they're they're being used by by one party uh, again uh, to gain political office. Um, and unfortunately, that party lies to them. Uh, it gives them uh, propaganda that we, that we know is not true, and and doesn't further uh, the, the 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 people at all. It hinders them. And to this day, it's, it's showing that again. And with, and with the other part of it that that's, that that's upsetting when they you know do the, the Black Lives Matter, it's just another strong arm group of, the, of Antifa, and it, it's it's not legitimate. And it's a shame that they try to make uh, you know uh, people believe that it is. That they try to teach our, our younger people in college and in high schools that it's a legitimate organization, it's not. And once again, um, that is just the propaganda of, of another party, uh, just trying to, to, to inject more socialism into our country, and, and we're not going to accept that. Yeah, uh, we, we've seen the rise of, of, of violence, and unfortunately in New York because of the rise of liberal oh. politicians and <laughs> shootings are up 177 percent. Yet New York is one of the most restrictive uh, in in allowing a legal citizen to obtain a firearm. Um, being a former New Yorker, I know how hard it was to obtain a firearm until I became a cop. And only then was it like, okay, you know, you can carry it anywhere you want to go. But yet New York still restricts it to the point where at one point they even had police officers restricted to only seven rounds in their weapon. Yet a bad guy can come out with an Uzi that can carry a 30 rounds strapped on. Uh, right. <laughs> what would you do to allow a legal citizen their Second Amendment right to be free? Well, I, 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 ever since I became sheriff uh, back in 2012 in my county, I was the first sheriff in the state of New York when they came out with the New York Safe Act under Governor Cuomo, another unconstitutional law that was passed through our through our house in the middle of the night. Um, it's it's it was this you know the the, uh, the safe ammunition and firearms uh, security act that he had, uh, and he 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 literally how do I want to say um, strangle held. The, the House to say that if you don't pass this uh, tonight, um, we're not going to pass the budget. Nothing's going to go through. You know, don't worry about it. You have so many hours to read it, but we're going to pass this. Well, they went along with it and passed the law again. Uh, I was the first to go down to, to Albany uh, to participate in speaking out against it. Um, I, I, I've been ever since the strongest share saying that, and I know people get upset and they say, well, how can you um, decide uh, to choose uh, what laws you're going to enforce you're not going to enforce? It's not that. It's that uh, – um, as you know, we have discretion, and we exercise that discretion every day as police officers, and, and we use it wisely. But more and more, the politicians are trying to take that away uh, from us in our, in our decision-making. That's entrusted by the people, um, and I don't understand uh, where 
we have lost that support. Um, well, I do. It, it, it's obviously from the from the from the media outlets that 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 want to side with the socialist side of of, of, of this uh, whole conflict we have going on. But um, back to the uh, you know, which is with the Second Amendment. Uh, I've I have I have honored the the constitutional uh, Second Amendment uh, under my oath, and, and as and as a sheriff in, in my county, um, I have not denied anyone that uh, passes our background check. Passes the the federal check, and um, and we give everybody the opportunity uh, uh, to legally own a firearm, and then uh, be trained in a course uh, when they when they when they receive uh, their firearm and that. So um, that's that, that's where I stand on it. You know, I mean, as a person, a, a a human has the right to defend one's life and another. You sure. know. Um, oh, I, I'm sorry, Harris. I was going to follow up just for a second. Um, there was right. following the Second Amendment. There was an attempt to tamp the Second Amendment by exposing those that legally own firearms. Uh, there was a famous incident with Judge Jeanine Pirro, who's been a guest on the show, uh, where they were trying to out their names. Uh, they started off by trying to out the names and addresses of police officers, and then publishing those of legal firearm. Uh, holders, would you also prevent that from happening? Yes, ma'am, I would. Why? You know, I, like, like I say, the 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 powers to be in the state of New York are are are, are not here uh, for the majority of people. They're not here uh, in, in the good of heart for the right reason for the people in this state. Um, and it's it's scary. It's uh, I think it's disgusting that. Uh, one person thinks that they have that much uh, control and, 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 and power, as they say. Um, he forgets that, that, that that's given to him by the people, not not that he just steals it from us. And uh, and, that, and that's what's upsetting is, is we have to we have to I would say again bring to bring to light, let people know that there's a constitution. Um, any public official, any elected official needs to follow that. We just can't, you know, usurp the, you know, the United States Constitution to fit their agenda. Uh, Curtis, go ahead, please. Yeah, I was going to comment on um, Black Lives Matter. I see that they have a new slogan out now, and it's, it goes like this. Until Black Lives Matter, no lives matter. Now, this is a group that um, they, they are acclaimed Marxists, they are. And I'm just disappointed that so many organizations and even even sports um, organizations are bowing to these people. It kind of reminds me of um, the shakedown tactics of Jesse Jackson with his boycotts and things like that back in the, the 70s and 80s, you know, where he would threaten to boycott, you know, these companies and whatnot unless they did his bidding. And BLM pretty much is doing the same thing. You know, if you don't support us, this and that and the other, we're going to tear down your business. What are your thoughts on that, Sheriff? Well, you're, you're absolutely correct. You know, I, I, I've been in some, uh, at some of these rallies and I uh, was involved in the middle of, 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 uh, of a, uh, of both um, a constitutional group and a, you know, a pro Trump group uh, and also part of black lives matter. And, and as law enforcement, you know, we, we swear upon and take an oath that we protect all lives. So, you know, being an officer, of course, you try to, um, uh, you know, create uh, peace between both groups and, and, and bring reason. So there's a discussion instead of, 
you know, throwing frozen water bottles and bricks and hitting people with sticks. And you find that um, what I found was is that there are some members uh, of of of, of uh, the group uh, Black Lives Matter who are not there, um, not of their own accord, I should say, but they weren't given, you know, the 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 true information. Uh, they 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 were lied to about a lot of things, and their anger comes from that, not from uh, not 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 from uh, as they say racism um, uh, or from Oh, acts that have occurred, uh, you know, by, by one group from another, uh, it's because they've been lied to. And, and once you have a, a good conversation with, with quite a few of, of, the, of the people, they realize that and they attempt to walk away or they attempt to, to disassociate themselves. And then once again, the anarchist part of the group try to pull them back in and they threaten their own people. Uh, there, there was a there was I, I walked across the one group. There was a very warm day. Um I, I saw several of the ladies were extremely um, uh, thirsty. They've been walking up and down uh, the other side of the group. And I see, well, this isn't right. Here we are. It's 90 degrees. We're, we're, we're drinking water. They're not being allowed to. I walked over another individual. We attempted to, uh, you know, to give uh, um, a couple of bottles of water. And the leader of the group came right up. I uh, got right, got right in my face and asked that, uh, you know, that I leave, that we're not welcome, that you're just doing this to pander to them. And I felt, you know, I just felt bad for that for that person you could tell. And and they and they and they were reaching out to get that to get the water from us, and now they wouldn't allow them to take it. So it just goes back to what we've seen, uh, you know, years ago, uh, with with subversive groups taking over the mind, and 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 lying to people to get them to to push their agenda. And I just wish that we were we were smarter today again um, to study our history, you know, to to study our our, our politics. And, uh, and, and also, as I always say, you know, you go with your gut feeling. You go with what God gave us. He gave us an inborn uh, ability to feel that when something's not right, it's not right. Go with that. Go with that. That is so true. You know, um, I've had it where I was at the inauguration, and as we were leaving the next day, they had that woman's march. And, you know, when you try to talk to them, you're not talking to someone that is thinking logically anymore. And and someone, um, I heard someone talking about that recently. It becomes emotional, no longer logical. So it's very hard to have the conversation to find an even ground because they're so brainwashed. It is a mass hysteria that you're, you're, you're dealing with instead of a one-on-one logical individual. Uh, I have this one ideal and principle and you have that one. Let's find a common ground. That doesn't exist anymore. It's mass no. hysteria against the rest of us that are like going, what the heck just happened here? Well, you know, I, yes, but, but not all, not, I should say, not with, um, we still have a chance. We absolutely have a chance, and, and as long as we communicate as human beings, um, attempt to have a conversation, I, we're, we're not going to lose this. Um, I, I believe in my heart. Uh, I, I know the, the way that, that, that our, our God created us, the way the Lord has taught us you know, to be towards one another. If people took a, just take a deep breath, um, you know, look at each other in an equal manner, and realize that no one is better than the other, um, that we have to, uh, you know, 
make compromises or, or we have to um, uh, when I say compromises, I mean in, in, a, in a good way, <laughs> uh, you know, not, not use violence against each other, uh, uh, you know, to, to, to try to um, understand each other. But as a police officer, um, I will say that when a threat is brought against another life uh, or against a, you know, another officer, um, whether we're there to serve and protect first, nobody, none of us want to take a life, uh, you know, over, over a political issue. Uh, none of us ever should take a life over a political issue, and and unfortunately, the media and the far left, again, the, the you know the, the the communist socialist side of this, has has turned that uh, in, in, into that, and and unfortunately, people are believing the the rhetoric, they're believing the um, uh, the stories that are that are put out there. Uh, we're not given time um, to digest uh, from things that have that have, that have just happened. It's, it's immediate uh, on the air. It's immediate into the into, into the radio or the or the newspaper before facts are given out uh, on things that have occurred, and um, it, it just it, it, it breeds anger, and that's no good. That, that, that's not a good way to go. Well, we're we're down to the last few minutes with your interview here, and we definitely have to get you back to come on because this is going to be a long race, and you're in it early. So we definitely want to make sure people yeah. get your name out there to give you as much support as possible. But uh, some of the things that really bothered me uh, is lack of school choice. Um, I, my parents um, had moved from Brentwood into Westbury on Long Island. And at the time when they moved, they deliberately chose the location because of the school district. And they wanted to make sure mm-hmm. that we attended certain schools. Well, lo and behold, two years after moving in, uh, busing occurred. Uh, so then we were bused into a school that was two miles away from the home compared to one that was two and a half blocks away from the home. Um, school choice is an important thing for parents, especially in today's day and age, with what is being pushed out there in public education. Well, you know, up here we have uh, – it's been around for a while, the Common Core uh, program in New York State um, – there's there it's I'm not like how should I say we're not we're, in New York State we 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 have pretty much lost the, the uh, um, as they say the 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 choice to do uh, whatever we um, uh, feel is best for us uh, we're being told by our government uh, here what's best for us and but the voices that should be speaking up are in fear of retaliation um, I either their jobs. Or their businesses with their licenses being taken away, um, they're they're afraid of um, uh, I don't want to say unjust investigations coming from the the attorney general's office with abuse of power there, and and, and that's no way to, to operate a state government. That's no way for people uh, to live under. Um, that that to me is a dictatorship. It, it, it's 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 not a, a, a democratic republic. Um, and there are a lot of voices uh, that have not spoken up that are starting to now, um, and people are feeling the the pains of of of, of not being um, how I want to say uh, more responsible in their voting and their choices that they made in the past. And uh, I think this time around, uh, with, with the loss of things that we've seen, especially with our constitutional rights, state of New York, they're going to make a better choice next time around. Well, I hope so. 
you know, I had mentioned earlier the odious taxes that New York State imposes on people. <laughs> um, but there's also a problem with the loss of jobs. Now, at one point in time, New York was known for its agriculture. You know, uh, cows, you know, used to see massive pastures of cows. No longer is New York beef out there on the market. Um, you don't even see Long Island potatoes or cabbage or anything like that. But also, New York has lost a lot of industrial jobs, too. Jobs are fleeing New York. So between the taxes and regulations, what would you do then to start to bring jobs back to New York and maybe reinvigorate you know, the agricultural industry, too? Right. Well, Annie, you just said the two things, you know, taxes and regulations. Uh, you know, we, we left the king the first time around, uh, uh, you know, because of, uh, you know, freedom of religion, uh, taxation, representation. Uh, and, and what we do to ourselves, we put ourselves right back into that again. And we gave the person that was supposed to be an elected uh, uh, official, um, you know, it's as simple as that. that that's what we need to get to lower the taxes, deregulate a lot of the things. Um, and, and I'll tell you, and you know what else needs to be done the most? Is the truth needs to be put out to the to the public, not the misinformation, not the lies they're told to steer them towards one style of thinking, um, or one style of, uh, 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 you know, the, the, with with the with the climate, with the uh, um, uh, energy, with what foods that we eat. Uh, you know, I mean, the, one of the funniest things we have here in the state of New York is talking about the flatulence of cows is hurting our environment. Uh, I, I could think of somebody else's flash in, 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 uh, in the state of New York that's bothering the state of New York, and it comes out of all of it. So, you know. First name Andrew? <laughs> but it could be, yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to leave you with one last question because this really bothered me, and no one has said a single word about it. Uh, when the COVID pandemic broke out, Andrew Cuomo, in his glorious egotistical artistic <laughs> explosion came up with this poster about the covid virus and i don't know if you've seen it but it's on the official government the, this the governor's website this magnificent poster that andrew cuomo created however in order to buy the poster the money that you pay for the poster does not go to new york state government it goes to his campaign do you think mm -hmm. you sh that should be something you can challenge him on, asking why this poster that he created that's going to payment is going to his campaign is on an official government website in violation of campaign finance laws? If, if we if we had if we had the right attorney general uh, in, in office, I would say yes. Currently, this time we don't. Um, if you find the right judges to to you know to to, to hear a case like that. Uh, that would be great. I don't know if that 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 we do, but I can I can say this. Um, that even though he has done what he has done and thinks he's gotten away with it, the common sense base of, of our thinking in this state has exposed him on every level. You know, we we see through his deceit on on, on television, uh, through his voice when he says there's no room for conservatives in the state of New York. When he says that the president of the United States better bring an army if he needs to walk through the streets of New York. When he says these things right there, we say to ourselves, that is not 
what a human being I don't I don't care what office you hold or what title you have that is not one human being uh, says to another um, and that's not the way that that, that, that we have uh, um, learned through the years as, as, as people to treat each other uh, it's pretty simple when you hear those words that's not the guy that we need as our leader in the state of New York well, where can people you know find something? you, Sheriff? Oh, Sheriff Mike, where can people find you? Because we got our next guest up, Curtis, in the uh, in the uh, studio oh, here. Okay. Oh, sorry. It's just uh, they can they can find me at um, uh, Sheriff Mike Carpinelli uh, on a Facebook page right now. I'm I'm just getting ready to get my website up uh, here soon for the for the election. But uh, Sheriff Mike Carpinelli on Facebook. There's, there's just a bunch of my name in, and and there is a, a, my own Facebook page that I have on there. So get information. Well, we're going to give you. <laughs> We're going to give you as much airtime as we possibly can, Sheriff Mike, and God bless you, and thank you for the hard work you do, sir. And well, thank you, ma'am, and thank you, Curtis, for talking. I look forward to the future hey. with both. Thank you. All right. Take All right. care. Yeah. Take care. Right. God bless. There is, a, there is a link on our description on the show page so that people are listening in later on. Uh, just click on the, the link that's next to the description, and you can get uh, Sheriff Mike. You can get Kurt Schlichter. Uh, and now you can also get Sugarcane Jane, who is in our studio. Want to welcome, first time coming onto the show. And I have to apologize, we're a little old school. For some reason, all the expensive equipment in my studio just went to crap today. So I am back to <laughs> behaving just like Jody in his mom's basement. <laughs> so welcome aboard to this mass confusion. Anthony Crawford and Savannah Lee, the husband and wife duo, that make up Sugarcane Jane. And how is that for an intro? Beautiful. Hey, Annie. This is Anthony. Pretty awesome. <laughs> hey, Annie. Thanks for having us. Oh, it is my pleasure. You know, uh, this is, you're, you're on, you just released your 10th album, and I have to turn around, and i got to get a hold of Mike later on, beat him up and say, why haven't you told me? Because Mike and I have known each other for 10 years. And this is the first time he's brought me forward to you. So I've got to beat that crap out of him uh, because I was listening to your album last night and I'm going, oh, my goodness, what do I pick out to play in just this 30 minutes we have? And I, 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 am, I am in awe. I am really in awe. Uh, but I want, I want people to know first your background, how the two of you got together. Obviously, you're husband and wife, so you're, you're stuck. <laughs> but, you know, how did you decide to? To become Sugarcane Jane. Oh, we came became Sugarcane Jane um, through. We we truly think it was divine and intervention. We uh, we just have had so many things uh, bring us together. We we had met each other years and years ago in Nashville at a studio, and I was recording uh, an album at at the studio that Savannah managed. And she at the time was also doing a project of her own and was looking for a song. So I took a song and played it for her. And when she sang with me, I just felt that light bulb go off in my mind that that was the answer to all my problems was having her in my life. And it was it was amazing. It was love at first sight, but it was the love that I felt was for her voice, mine. As much as she is a awesome, beautiful looking and acting person <laughs> and just all all things beautiful, the voices together just were 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 not to be denied. So that that was really what set us onto our path together 
however it took 10 years after that to be together but it, it took a long time but I never gave up on being with her and she with me and so uh we came finally when we we found ourselves able to be together 10 years later just so happened that we were both free and we met up again and we moved back down to where we live right now in the south of Alabama and we just uh she showed me this piece of property that belonged to her grandfather that had a sugarcane patch on it and I was just being a goofy person that day and started singing sugarcane sugarcane Jane and then you know Jane rhymed with sugarcane and and we thought hey let's call ourselves sugarcane Jane and for no particular reason <laughs> that's why so it just well, we're hiding from our exes and so well that's true part of the, yeah and it just so happened our parents lived eight miles from each other down here in South Alabama which was quite ironic to meet someone in Nashville and find out that your parents lived just a hop, skip, and a jump from each other. So it was nice to get back home, and we had both wanted to do that for a long time. So, yeah, it was it was uh, definitely um, an appointment, uh, I would say, for us to meet. Divine appointment, that's what I meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny because... If people just take a step back, they get to see God in their life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, very, very similar story to yours. Um, my, hu- my husband was going through a divorce, and I was in the midst of going through a divorce when we first saw each other. And the first time I ever saw him, I turned around to my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and we were sitting in a bar, and I pointed to him at the other side of the bar. He was in a two-piece suit and drinking a martini. I said, you see that man at the other side of the bar? I'm going to marry him. I'm going to marry that man one day. And and before I even knew his name, before I even knew his name. So God has a way. And if you just sit sit back and listen, you get to hear his voice. That's similar to our story. It really is. Believe it or not, Annie, I was uh, trying and hoping to get out of the relationship I was in. Uh, It was a difficult one for me. But I remember I had known Anthony at the time for, you know, seven years or so, and we were friends, and I certainly could have struck up a conversation with him if I saw him out and about. And I did see him out and about. I was coming out of the grocery store in Nashville, and it was raining, and I saw him walking towards me. And when I saw him at that moment, it was like, God told me that was the father of my children, my future children. I am not kidding you. And it freaked me out so bad that I immediately like just took a left turn and I just didn't even talk to him at all (laughs) because it it almost scared me so bad. But yeah, I got that kind of uh, message when I saw him that day. And um, I can't believe that we ended up together. It was just uh, from, it's been what, 20, 20 years now that we've known each other. Yeah. My husband and I are now 29 years. We've known each other, 27 married. So yeah, he has a way of, he has a way of working. Now I, I'm looking at your, your bio that Mike sent me and you've worked with some really absolutely awesome people like Neil Young with the most unusual and distinctive voice, Steve Winwood, and all our favorite Dwight Yoakam. 
tell me, oh, he's a is good he one. as just as fantastic person as I think he is? Who Dwight? Yeah. Yes. Joe, Dwight is. Uh, he's one of those guys that I know he's a country artist, but he's a rock god to me. He pulls he pulls off this air about him that that just never lets up. He's 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 always got some kind of intrigue going on with him. It's uh it's amazing. I've I've worked with him on um several of his albums and I toured with him and we just opened uh as Sugarcane Jane. We put together a band called Sugarcane Jane and the Bucket Fillers and we opened <laughs> a uh, a series of shows on the northeast last uh late last year before all the covid lockdown happened and just completely destroyed our future but uh before, you know it was just a beautiful opportunity for us to get in front of his crowd but dwight is just a, he's a rock star he's he, a new dad now oh wow that? yeah yeah he's, no he's i have a, not uh, He's a stud, obviously, because he's in his sixties and he just had a child. So I mean, I thought I was. Doing, we've got a, we've got a ten-year-old, a, a set, a ten, seven, and four-year-old, and I'm sixty-three. So I thought, well, you know, whatever. But I mean, he's got like a newborn, so he's a bad boy, I think. <laughs> well, he puts the new bad name boy. to Skinny Jeans. <laughs> That's for sure. I now, tell you I what. Well, I, I want to ask you because you got a new album that just came out less than three weeks ago called Ruffled, Fe- Ruffled Feathers. Try to say that three times fast. Um, and, and I was always le- listening to it. I understand where you, what you're doing, where you came from. It, it wasn't until I got halfway through the album I understood the progression. But tell us about Ruffled Feathers. What made you do this album? Just out of um, concern for our country and just where we're headed, it's a, 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 a opportunity for us to just stand up and be count. Uh, you know, turning people off left and right, but we're also gaining new fans as we go. Um, for 11 years, we were ambiguous to our fran- friends and fans. You know, as far as what our political beliefs were. And, of course, you didn't have to tell anybody, and we never believed in getting up on a platform and saying anything about religion or whatever. We just played good music, and everybody that came to our shows, it was a mix of – obviously a mix of conservative and liberal people. But at this time, having a 10-year-old, 7-year-old, and 4-year-old, we think and that it is like a – it's a war to me in my mind. It's a battle in my mind to where it's like I need to try to help this president get another term because regardless of how people like him as a human being uh, and his uh, you know, personality and all that, I'm sure it's a great turnoff. But what he gets done and just just forget about him. If you go the other way to us, it was it's like not the right choice. So. We just really felt like we were going to use whatever audience we could get to just tell people kindly and whatever, hey, this is this is a good choice. Listen, you know, whatever. So we just opened ourselves up to the great Holy Spirit to, to move us down this little direction. But it really did start with the fact that Savannah on Facebook just shared a post that was somewhat 
you know, a little pro-Trump. And she got blasted so bad for that and such ugliness that came out of it. And so I got involved, and I was like, how dare you? You know, I mean, she just shared something, and it just then it was just the gloves were off. And then the inspiration from all of that energy to us, and, uh, you know, people don't believe in it, but I believe in praying, and I pray with my kids every night in Savannah. We do, and we just prayed for guidance, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit showed up at least out in my studio because I wrote nine songs in six days and fully recorded written uh and out to to the public within you know an eight day period we we had it sent off to be manufactured it was a it was an amazing journey of songwriting and it validated to myself now i feel like i've done my best work as a songwriter but i have to give co-credit credit to co-writing credit to the holy spirit truly i know that sounds kooky but it's the truth yeah, I, I mean, um, Mike had sent me the lyrics and everything else, and um, I, I basically broke down, and I'm running out of time. I didn't realize we're having so much fun talking because I wanted to play some of your, your music. Um, I'm going to go to your track two, where it's, it's I'm Going to Grow Me a New Mind, which I, I found a very good and powerful song. Uh, right now, everyone is in such a – it's either – us or them, and you basically turn around and say, hey, you know, we're all individuals. We all have different thoughts and ideas. Uh, let's open them up a little bit and start listening to each other. That's what I got That's out of right. the song. It's true. I, I Just real quickly, I'll say we don't want to try to tell anybody how to think. All we wanted to do was have our opinion and not be blasted for it, and, and, and that's what, you know, we just wanted to be adults and Say what we wanted to say, and we just got so much flat for it. But yeah, our parents both have just—we were brought up to, uh, you know, under the impression like don't talk religion or politics, and we took their advice and we didn't do that. But as we've gotten older, I really am starting to disagree with that, Annie. And I believe that what we should have been teaching our children, and what and it's not too late, is we should talk religion and and politics first of all you know we should be spreading uh if you're a christian you should be telling everybody about jesus christ we believe that and then as far as your politics i mean if you care about the direction of this country then you should voice your opinion and i hope that we change someone's mind we have changed people's minds by doing that you know but i think what's important is that we allow others to have an opinion, just tolerance, be accepting of others, and without all of the blackballing, shaming, judging, criticizing, all of that. I mean, we're not doing that to the other side. I'm quite happy for someone to share their opinion, and if they have a – everybody has a platform these days with social media. So by all means, I think everyone should be shouting, uh, you know, their views, as loud as they can, because uh, that's that's where we actually learn. That's and and these days with all of the media, there's so much just misinformation, and there's a a lot of bias out there, and it's hard to wade through. I think the majority of the people out there aren't investigators able to decipher what's true and what's not true. So I think it takes all of us talking about what's going on and so that's important to me and that's what we're trying to 
to get our message across is just to be tolerant of others and be kind. Well, Savannah, you just made me change my mind on what song I was going to play because I'm going to go to your track six. And I'm going to play Let the Media Die. So, folks, sit back. This is Sugar Cane Jane from their new album, Ruffled Feathers, Let the Media Die. So sit back, relax, and let it ring.
hard rock. And then your <laughs> final track, I'm not going to play the final track until the very end of the show. I'm going to use your final track as my closing, if you don't mind. Because it oh, is... That's it, it, when when I turned around and he sent me the lyric sheets and I go to the final track, track 10, uh, which is called Holy Spirit, um, I sat back and I'm going, wait a minute, something's wrong here. It didn't print out right. It didn't print out right. And then it hit me like a brick in the head. <laughs> and I, I went through all the, the, the tracks last night listening to everything. And when I listened to track 10, I actually sat back with a headset on, closed my eyes. And felt nice. so relaxed. So I'm not giving oh, everything away. Oh. People have okay. to come to the end of the show to understand what track ten is. But it, it, nice. it's almost as if you were you had a healing when you did this when you wrote this album, because you, you go through not oh. understanding, reaffirming your faith, finding the anger, and then the healing. It's a, that's a beautiful way to put it. Makes me want to cry. I tell you what, it does. It gets emotional to me because this whole this whole journey has been it's been difficult to lose people who have followed you for eleven years. But that's that's it's it was just something we had to do because we're being willing participants to a spirit that has driven us to do this. People think we're crazy, but we're not. We're just passionate people, and we see something that definitely needs to be looked at very clearly about what we're all doing in this choice of who we're going to have leading our country. And it's such a dilemma because President Trump is just definitely a hard guy to kind of belly up to with, with his personality and all that, but you got to ask yourself – do you really want what the other people have? That's the question, and everybody's got the right to vote and do it. And all the rioting and the forcing this thing, this narrative on, on America is bad and everybody's a racist and all that, it just didn't sit right with me. And I got very emotional emotional about it, and what do you do when you're a songwriter? You You write, and – I find that these times are as powerful as the 60s, and I believe that this is the best that has ever come out of me. And I don't know that I'll ever do it again. If the Holy Spirit wants me to do something, I'll do it. But this was not me writing songs. It was me being led, and I know that's just really difficult for some people to understand, but it's the truth. I, I'm not that good of a songwriter to just pop out nine songs in six days and fully record it. I played every instrument on the album, and and each song took about two hours to do. I was totally on fire. I was like a burning bush. It was amazing <laughs> to feel. And I, I think that you know there will be another album. In fact, I think there's possible that it, there will be a Ruffled Feathers 2 album because Anthony's already written three more songs right after we sent this off to the manufacturer, and they're they're all in a, a similar tone. Um, it, it's all the same topic, but it's uh, there's a lot more to say about it. Somehow he comes out with uh, these songs that really – Speak to me personally about what I'm feeling. One of them's co-written, co-written with Ralph Molina, who is 
the drummer for Neil Young and Crazy Horse, he and I are similar in our beliefs. And uh, he and I wrote one together called Shine Your Everlasting Light. And uh, it is a rock and roll track and for sure. And it's so, you know, there's some, a lot of good music to, to put out on Ruffle Feathers Volume 2 is, is headed out this way. If anybody likes it, we're going to put it out real soon. Oh, I look forward to uh, to hearing it and having you back on again. I mean, there's so much more to talk to you about. Um, I do find the rise of more uh, faith-based uh, musicians finally coming out. And for a long time, you know, it was not there. Um, being a child... You yourself, as as I am, of the 60s and 70s, you know, there was a point where you don't talk religion, as you say, Savannah. You know, it was something that we were, we were taught. You don't talk politics or religion. And I think this is where our nation got divided because we didn't have that conversation all along. And if we don't have right. that conversation, where can we find common ground if there is no conversation to begin with? There you go. And we just, we shocked people and their initial reaction was sending us emails saying, oh, we saw you with opening for Dwight. We loved y'all, but guess what? We'll never listen to your music again because you support Donald Trump. Who, and then the whole letter's all about how awful of a person he is or whatever. And I understand that he's not easy to like, but why are you going to Take it out, take, on out us. take it out on us. We're just saying, hey, we think this is a better choice right now. You know, it's the better of the two choices. That's what we're just saying, policy wise, not human wise. We didn't ask ask him to be our spiritual leader. He's not, you know, Billy Graham. He is Donald Trump, but he's he's done something that we recognize because we made more money through the last three or four years than we did, ever did under the eight years of Barack Obama with Joe Biden as vice president and whatever. That's our political stance, but we're still the same musicians, same loving people, fun-loving, whatever. But somehow it's like we fell into a, a septic tank, and now we're out of it. And people just look at us like, ooh, you stink. Well, I understand <laughs> their their passion, and I understand why I think that they're so angry at us. Because for, 11, for 11 years, you know, we didn't tell them who we were. And so they assumed they knew us, and they became friends with us, and they felt like they were lied to. And in a way... They were, you know, Annie. I mean, that's why I'm saying we should all encourage each other to just be yourself because I don't think God makes mistakes. I think that we're all supposed to be who we are, and we all have our own lessons to learn by that. And everybody has experiences through life that make them want to vote one way or the other. I don't think that you can just generalize why someone's voting one way or the other. Just again, just be tolerant of people to have an opinion. But that's why well, I think that people got angry. Well, I wish I had and more time. Awesome. I had, I wish I had more time because I had marked all these tracks. I made all my notes and, you know, about certain things, and I wanted to also play "Waking Up America," uh, which I, I labeled as a fight song. Which what we need to do is get Americans up there to stand up 
and legally, lawfully, and peacefully fight for their beliefs. Uh, but your album yeah. is called Ruffle Feathers. People can find you at sugarcanejane.com. And you get a hold of Mike. You tell him, get me back on the show uh, because there's so much more to talk about with the two of you. And I want to get more of your cuts out there so people understand you're not just one type of music, but you're very fluid in, in different uh, genres of music, and I wanted to get that full flavor out there, but unfortunately, we're out of time. But um, Anthony yeah. and Savannah, God bless you for putting this out there. And I Thank was you. not a fan, I didn't know about you, and now I do, and now you've got a, a, a diehard fan. Awesome, Annie. We love you. You're an awesome spirit. Thank you. Thank you so much for having <laughs> us. We'd love to come back and talk to you more. So we will definitely okay. tell Michael to do that. That'd be great. All right. God bless. And you take care, kids. I'm calling you kids when you're the same age. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Check out. (laughs) I'm an old lady. Sugar cane Jane. No, I'm an old man. All right. SugarCaneJane.com And I want to bring back another favorite on the show, uh, John O'Connor. We had him on last time when he released his book, Postgate, uh, which people can find at PostgateBook.com. Welcome back, John O'Connor. John, oh my goodness, what a world we live in. Did you think the last time you were on the show, it's been a while. Uh, but do you think that we ha- would have digressed this? I mean, you look at the, the legal landscape that we are traveling, and my head is spinning. Well, it all boils down to and is compounded by the media that doesn't tell the populace the truth. And so what we have is we have none of this would be a big issue if everyone told the truth about, for example, the riots, uh, the destruction of property uh rather than trying to politicize it blame it on trump or whatever you're going to do let's just try to solve the problem but no we have a media that's very complicit here and therefore you can do outrageous things uh and you can say outrageous things and you can take silly positions uh such as in the impeachment of trump on a fairly innocuous deal but all of that because there is covering fire by the media, and that's why what I think is the root cause for our civil discord. The the, the seeds of uh, our uh, our discomfort and uh, our discontent are really in the media. We all have lived pretty good lives here in America. We've got a pretty good society, but you wouldn't know it to hear it in the media because it's not in their interest, certainly with an opposing a president they oppose in power. You know, I, I was following the news, and just recently um, the Washington Examiner wrote that there's going to be a new impeachment trial on Trump. For what? For anything they can da- uh, uh, dig up. Let's think about the Ukraine impeachment. The Ukraine gate impeachment, Trump wanted an investigation of corruption, and yet uh, CNN, the first thing CNN said the day of this was announced was Joe Biden did nothing wrong. There's no evidence Biden did anything wrong, and yet there is a huge, huge raft of evidence about corruption, and Hunter Biden with the enablement of his father, was representing two of the biggest corrupt 
Russian-oriented oligarchs in Ukraine. And it was our country's policy to get rid of corrupt Russian-oriented oligarchs. And it turns out that the new president, Zelensky, who Trump was talking to, is a protege of Igor Kolomoisky, the biggest, most corrupt oligarch in the world who stole billions of American money funded by John Kerry and Joe Biden. Now, I don't want to get into that here, but just enough to say there's a huge and yawning question about corruption. But what happens? What happens? We impeach a president who's actually trying to do the right thing by this story that, oh, that's interference in an election. Well, I seem to recall that there was an investigation of Trump for three years. That was okay, even though there was no evidence. Uh, But yet you have this impeachment of Trump over something where he was doing his job. He was the head of national security. Whether you like it or not or like what he does, he's trying to take care of a national security problem. The fact that it uh, involves his corrupt opponent should be of no mind. Nobody minded investigating Trump with no evidence. So my point is you look at this. The, 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 they're shameless, and they will always get covering fire from the media. Now, if you had a fair media and you and I came out with some harebrained idea, we would be scorned. We would be laughed at. If you and I in another day came out and said, you know, I think we ought to do something. I'll call it the Green New Deal, and we'll just quit using oil. And we'll, people would say, what? Are you an idiot? You know, I think everybody ought to get Medicare. Well, wait a second. We can't pay for what we've got now. We've got to take care of our elderly people. Medicare for all these series? But no, that doesn't happen. Somebody comes up with a harebrained idea. Oh, let's have 15 people on the Supreme Court, and we can kind of choose up the way LeBron and Steph Curry would choose up sides in basketball, and we'll figure out how to get 15 people on the Supreme Court. These are absurd, ridiculous ideas that in another day, when supposedly we were all dumber and less sophisticated, we would have, everyone would have scoffed at the guy working on the factory floor would know those are stupid ideas. Now, how are they presented now? Now they are considered to be quite lofty, cool ideas. And we have a society here that is broken uh, at, at, uh, and, and diseased at root and branch. And it is not, by the way, a result of the common sense people. There's still a fair amount of common sense. I'll just call them traditional people. I'm not really a conservative. I'm just a traditional person. I just want <laughs> enlightenment values, uh, law and order, uh, free speech, free religion, things like that, <laughs> free contract, uh, you know. Uh, and yet the people that feel as I do, and it's a broad spectrum, there's nothing wrong with them. They're, they're pursuing America the way it should be pursued uh, and living their lives. But we have a real problem here, and it's getting worse. You know, there's such a distortion of fact and what our laws and principles are. Um, We've got a school system that is pumping out kids under propaganda. And I I have a dear friend of mine, she has since passed, but uh, her daughter, as she was graduating high school, got into a debate with me. And I said, do you understand what the 10 rights are in the Bill of Rights. Do you understand at least the First Amendment of the Bill of Rights? She had no idea what I was talking about. What's the Bill of Rights is what her question was. Do you understand what the Constitution is? She had no idea what the Constitution was. And and this is what our schools are pumping out. And even our, our law students are not being taught 
the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution. Um, they're not being taught, um, oh, good Lord, I just had uh, the English common law. Or uh, I just, my mind just went blank at the moment. But our basic right. principles, what we were founded upon, they're not being taught. Well, now you have people like Elizabeth Warren, who everybody says, oh, she's so brilliant. She's so brilliant. And, of course, she wants there to be police going around, in essence, thought police censoring the Internet so that you just can't say anything that she deems to be untrue. Uh, That's not exactly free speech. You have a cancel culture in which people are just not allowed to speak. Berkeley, the home of the free speech movement in 1965, now if a conservative goes there, the building's firebombed, and you got to you take your life in your hands. They won't uh, guarantee the safety of any speaker there. And I have looked at my daughter's books, for example, textbooks from Stanford. She's a brilliant girl. Uh, went to Stanford. Uh, is now a public defender, federal defender. Very bright. Has a good life. Uh, does good things. But I've looked at her textbooks just because they're around here, and I'll say, I say, hey, this is pretty good. This looks like a good book on the Palestinian-Israeli thing. Oh, this is a good book about the McCarthy era. Look, let me pick it up. Every one of them does not say, tell both sides of the story. You cannot read those books and figure out what the other side is. So if you read those books, you say, gee, there's only one way to think about this. Anybody who thinks – Otherwise, is a, is a bad person, and I understand that. I think people who watch CNN and MSNBC, most of them are very good people, and they're told one side of the story, and they think anybody who believes differently is inherently evil. So they get very, very angry, and that's because they're not told the facts. And you know, the the evolution of the humanities in college has been terrible. It used to be that you we learned the best of what was said and written throughout Western society. Uh, and, of course, that involves debates and what is truth, what is justice, what's right, what's the best way to live, what's the best way to achieve morality. Oh, no, that's not there anymore. You can't touch, uh, teach that because that's very much of a bias toward white Western culture. Uh, and we have these studies now that are anytime you see the word critical in the name of a course, like critical race studies, critical gender studies, critical uh, colonial studies. It's critical. You learn critical thinking, but only in one direction. <laughs> it's not true <laughs> critical thinking. It should be termed anti-critical race studies, anti, because the, it is anti-critical thinking. You do not learn both sides. And so we have a populace here. I would much rather, I would trust a person from the St. Louis phone book more than I would, or I'll say this, a rural town, give me a small town, Boise phone book, than the, the, the most brilliant person out of Harvard to have a common sense view of life. That's where oh, we yeah. are now, and it's unfortunate. No, it, and you it know is something? very unfortunate. Uh-oh, go ahead, Curtis. Curtis, welcome. <laughs> you know something else <laughs> is that I I tutor and I help two friends of mine that are taking college courses, and everything is just so pro-left, and anything that has to do with the proud history of this country is demonized. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's our founding fathers or if it's, you know, the way 
we have helped other people overseas, you know, in wars and stuff. Most of them say we shouldn't be there in the first place. But, you know, we have to do something about our educational system. Um, one of the questions in my friend's um, assignment was, who was the Democrat um, presidential um, nominee and the the um, vice presidential nominee uh, on the Democrat side? Never asked anything about the um, the Republicans. Not one question. Everything was pro Democrat, and I'm getting my friends to see that it's biased. The system is biased, especially what they're being taught, and I really think they're starting to see this. As a good thing, but on whole, as a country, is going to have to do something in his next four years about the educational system, so we can stop churning out little Marxists and socialists. That's my. Well, piece. you brought up a real good. You brought up a real good point there. It's not only that silly things are taught, but that, and I think you said this, that they're not taught to think about the other side. Uh, they're not taught to think critically about, gee, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. What are the competing arguments? And I think you brought that up. And that's very, very important to having a democracy, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, the founding fathers talked about mobocracies. That's one of the things they talked about in the Federalist Papers. How do we prevent, uh, if we're going to have a democracy, everybody feared that, well, these mobs would take over, that just were silly and stupid and outrageous and violent. Well, the remedy, they thought, was education, was hopefully a free press that told the mob both sides of the issue so they wouldn't be so enraged. They'd say, oh, there's another side to this. Well, guess what? Now today, uh, apropos of what you say, the, the media, the, most of the major media anyway, supports the mob. They're just – they're part of the mob. They're not telling you both sides. And so what you're talking right. about this education is precisely how, you know, it's, it's like feeds back and forth. It's an echo chamber between the uh, leftist educated people and the, and the media, which are now usually the products of that leftist education. Uh, and none of them understand the enlightenment values of free speech and debate of ideas. And that's where, you know, debate is wrong now don't see it it's not a good thing uh lawrence o'donnell said it on msnbc oh we don't allow conservatives on our network because we don't allow liars that's what he said so we know okay so you turn on msnbc you're not going to get a, a conservative um you know fox at least tries to have people you know of, of, of leftist persuasions on to make their case somebody might say well fox is a little bit leaning right but they make an effort as part of that to show both sides to tell both sides. And I think we don't find that very much today. And your point of the education is is right on. And I'll tell you who's really getting the shaft is is the poor kids in the inner city who are being uh, you know held prisoner by the teachers union who don't want these charter schools. Uh, you know, and charter schools are going to make public schools better. Public schools will have to compete with them and they'll get better if you have more charter schools. No, I, I do completely agree with the charter schools. Also, you know, free school choice. Um, go back to classical education, like my church has got, uh, had founded, I think only five years ago, their own school, 
and they're graduating their first class going into college. Uh, it has become so popular that they've got a waiting list of people to, sending their kids here. The people are yearning for a good, basic, classical education. It doesn't have to be religious, but to go back to the basics of classical education. But they, they've tried all these new things. And as a child of the 60s and 70s, you know, they started to go in with health education. We've got to teach these kids so we can take bring down the number of teenage pregnancies. And this is what they were teaching us. You know, they've got to know the ABCs about the anatomy and about the human body because they're not learning it at home. And that was the foot in the door to what we have today. Government took over education from that point forward under Jimmy Carter. Thank you very much, Mr. Carter. Yeah, absolutely. That's where it started, and uh, and uh, it's gone from there. You know, I was in the government then. I was in the uh, civil division at the time, most mostly civil work. I was finishing up my uh, – I did a little bit of criminal prosecution during Carter era, but uh, more civil. So I saw what he was doing in the civil arena. And it just wasn't very pretty, unfortunately. And uh, and we've <laughs> we've gone way downhill since then. Right, we have. Um, I'm going to change the subject just a little bit because the DOJ has now opened up an investigation into Governor Andrew Cuomo and his handling of the COVID virus and <laughs> nursing homes. Um, do you think we're going to go anywhere with this? Yeah, I do think we are. I don't think it'll ripen into a criminal prosecution, but here's what I would say. It's clearly a civil rights violation. If I took a, a, a machine gun and I sprayed a crowd with bullets, I wouldn't know exactly who I was going to kill, but I would kill somebody, at least that one would think, from that reckless act. And if Governor Cuomo requires COVID patients to go into a nursing home and be right next to Granny, and or, and or patients that he refuses to have tested, somebody's going to die as a result of that, and people did die. And that is the greatest offense a government can make, not protecting your life and your liberty. And that's what happened here. The government actually took the lives of these people. So I would hope, uh, if nothing else, and of course it's interesting, by filling up the beds, you get more Medicare uh, mm-hmm. Every time somebody dies and it's a government pensioner, the state no longer has uh, an obligation, does it? So the, the the state of New York profits two ways, by sticking a lot of people in nursing homes and having them overflowing with COVID patients. So, uh, so, But I think there should be some economic consequences for the state. I think every family who has lost a loved one because of this, should get recompense from the state, not from the federal government, from the state, so that they do not profit from uh, their wrongdoing. And I think basically the shame, the public shame, should be maybe a consent decree. I know that's like a slap on the wrist after the horse is out of the barn, but that's about all we can do now. But it's it's symbolic and it's meaningful, and maybe the next governor will think twice before he does something like Cuomo does. This was terrible what he did, terrible, shameful. And once again, the media does not portray him. Oh, the media talks about how wonderful Andrew Cuomo is. Oh, now there's a guy that really handled the coronavirus real well. Oh, boy, he's great. Now look at Trump. Trump, oh, no, he's terrible. And yet Cuomo's out there killing people. Trump's trying to save their lives. So it's just a shame, isn't it? 
No, it is. I, I have I a friend that, of mine I went to high school with. And he lost two two of his parents. One was an in-law and one was his parent because of the actions of Governor Cuomo. And I, I, I openly tell the people of New York, if you've lost a parent or an elderly relative to the COVID virus, start a class action lawsuit against the state. It's it's a perfect time. The, the federal government is paying $35,000 for every person that has died labeled the COVID virus. But lo and behold, i got to ask you this question, because lo and behold, the CDC said, oh, oops, we made an error in our calculation. Only 6% of those less than 120,000 people that died of COVID actually died of COVID. Just 6%. 94% actually died of a different cause, even though they may have or may not have had COVID. So think about all that federal money for all those individuals, $35,000 a pop. My goodness, John. I mean, <laughs> the world is going upside down. Come on. Well, right. And, and and people that are honest and hardworking and pay their taxes and do what they should do are paying for all this. And it's really, and it's really a shame. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think one of the things you point out with this class action, one of the things, it's clearly a civil rights violation. I was on the civil rights desk in the U.S. Attorney's Office. It's clearly a civil rights violation when you're not uh, protecting under color state law. You're not protecting the rights of the of your citizens. Uh, I would hope that one remedy might be so to avoid the victims having to pay a big chunk of their award to the lawyers. You've basically they could get a consent decree that says we agree that we are responsible for these deaths. If if someone uh, can prove that they died of COVID or related to COVID or strongly uh, involving COVID uh, because of what Andrew Cuomo did, they, they'll get recovery. And there's a fund of money here from the state and they can go get it. That would be a just result. And, and maybe uh, at, at least, at least, it would cut out, and I'm a lawyer. I like I like legal fees, but I think in some cases, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, they can be cut down to reasonable amounts. And uh, maybe this can help, and maybe this can help the victims get most keep most of the compensation themselves. And the Justice Department, and I think I think that's what's so good about Barr. He's a very very he's an honest man, and he's also a very good lawyer, very bright, and he sees where there's wrong. He's He's bold enough to do something about it. I think this guy's great. Oh no, I love Bill Barr. You know, I was I was a little questioning when he was appointed, and I said, well, you know, you look at his past history, who he's associated with, but he has really surprised me, and um, he's got them eating their lunch. <laughs> There's no other way to say how to describe Bill Barr. Uh, so, exactly. you know, especially exactly. when he gets One. before Congress, and I mean, just he just chews them apart and spits them out. Absolutely. I'm just wondering when Absolutely. this um, Durham report going to come out. Seems like forever. Well, the Durham report. Well, Durham you bring report. up a good point. Nothing happens. You know. Well, you know, you've got this bar uh, to excuse the pun of uh, not indicting someone before an election, but that should apply. Then the question is, who does that apply to? If Andrew McCabe or an FBI guy is not running for office, it's the the sort of the informal. Uh, prohibition against indicting for an election probably should not apply, and I hope he doesn't apply that informal 
a hold to these guys because they're not running for office, and therefore this election concept should not stop them from indicting. But it should come out. They were delayed a little bit by COVID. They were delayed by slow walking from the agencies. The CIA and FBI had no inclination to to fast uh, fast uh, track this. And Christopher Ray is not was not the friend of the law enforcement on this one. But I look at this, and I see that there are several FBI agents. I think McCabe being the highest guy that had knowledge of the falsity of the FISA application, and there are a couple others. I think there's a case agent one and a special supervising agent one who uh, who had knowledge of falsity and omissions and did not alert the court. And I think those guys are going to be in trouble. I think it's a very, very disturbing thing. There were 17 major uh, errors on the FISA application. And, and before the case was open, there's all kinds of skullduggery even before the case was open, and it's terrible what was going on there for maybe six months. So you put everything together. Why did all those errors point one way? None of them pointed in favor of Trump. All of them pointed against him, and it was like a mafia conspiracy. These guys, when you read the Horowitz report, it's like see no evil, hear no evil. Oh, my gosh, I don't know why we didn't put that in the application. Oh, maybe, uh, gee, I don't know, Uh, uh, you know. uh, And so hopefully the Durham report will, number one, get a few indictments, and number two, shame some other people. I think Comey's going to escape because he probably is going to claim, oh, he's too high up on the seventh floor. I didn't know what was going on. You know that guy was – eating up every morsel and probably directing the whole thing through McCabe, but we're probably not going to get that proof. McCabe will not probably roll over on him. So Comey's going to escape. Brennan will escape because he's um, on the CIA side. And it was all FBI once the handoff is made to the FBI. So Brennan's lucky that there's that dividing wall between the CIA and FBI, because that guy was really a bad guy. And he, started this thing and he started publicizing it but probably is guilty of nothing more than dirty playing and unethical behavior but perhaps not criminal uh, and Comey's going to probably escape by claiming he's too high up but boy I'll tell you between those two uh, there are a lot of guilty people provably guilty oh, absolutely now we only have a few minutes left I'm going to throw the name out at you the McCluskeys I mean, yeah. what a cluster you-know-what on that one. Holy cow. When is it against the law to protect itself? Well, it's not. It's not, but, you know, there's vagaries in the law, and this uh, DA is the worst thing to ever come down the pike. Uh, she's probably – she pursues very few of the cases that the police bring her. She's terribly incompetent. And uh, McCluskey's luckily have money. What if these people didn't have money and they were protecting their home? That'd be a shame. At least they have enough money to hire the best lawyers. And I know the two lawyers that are uh, representing them, they're they're two of the finest in Missouri. I'll tell you that they're going to wipe the floor with this woman. It's too bad that it has to come to that, that they have to, that they are branded as criminals for protecting their property. Uh, and they really weren't brandishing firearms. Brandishing means you're really threatening to use them. You're waving them in a way 
they were they were the victims of brandishing. They were the victims of people who were threatening to kill them and destroy their property. They were victims, and now they're being charged. And this no, is I understand again the one that the, the firearm that Mrs. McCluskey was using was waving was not even an operable firearm. It only became operable after it went through the crime lab when they made it operable. Isn't that something that should be criminally charged against Missouri's state government? Whoever did that? Well if well if they Isn't that if tampering they, evidence? Uh, well you're right. If it is tampering evidence and they tried to present it as such, if they falsely presented it as original evidence then it is a crime. Now you're obstructing justice. That's a classic obstruction of justice. On the prosecution side here for a moment, I don't believe they should be prosecuted, but you can brandish a firearm even if it's not operable. Uh, People don't know that, so the assault and the fear is just the same. If somebody comes and puts an AK-47 in your face and you don't know it's inoperable, you're still pretty much going to soil your pants. Uh, but, um, But so that's not a defense. However, the idea, but at the same time, but going back to the McCloskey's, they weren't threatening to shoot anybody. Anybody that saw that would know what they're saying is, we've got guns. Let's end this peaceably. You go your own way, and we'll be just fine. They weren't threatening to shoot them. All they're saying is, you get close. You do something to us where we're in fear of our lives. Yes, we'll shoot you. And and so there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely, they did the right thing. They probably avoided a lot of harm. So nothing they did was wrong. I, I, I think the whole thing, look, the only thing that I can assure all the listeners is, is this is one of the most incompetent district attorneys in the country. Uh, everyone in St. Louis knows it. The good people in her office, by the way, they're fleeing like rats off a sinking ship. They had some really good people in that office. She comes along, uh-oh, and the cops hate her. The cops know that she doesn't. Even the defense lawyers don't like him, her because she's not charging people that should be charged. You know, they're saying, wait a second, there are criminals here. They're killing people. Charge them. You know, but she's too incompetent to even get convictions. I mean, she gets about – most prosecutors, local prosecutors, get about 80 percent convictions. I think this woman has a 38 percent conviction rate, in, and she only brings a few cases, so – this is this is bad news. Uh, this is as bad as any case that she's brought, and there's no chance she's going to get a conviction. At least uh, all your listeners can take my word to that uh, on that one. Take that one to the bank. Now, that's an elected position, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and she's of course she's popular uh, because p- for people who don't know any better, you know, they think oh she's really helping and she's really protecting minority rights. But I'll tell you this, talk to the minority lawyers in town. They say she's not protecting minority rights. They're livid. I mean, these, these are guys that are very strong Democrats. Uh, they're, you know, African-American lawyers of good standing. You talk to them about her. They don't, they don't think she's very good. So, I mean, this isn't a racial thing. This is a competence thing, and they're very, very upset with her. Well, yeah, John, it is always a pleasure to have you on. I wish we had more time. Um, I, Curtis, I'm not sure if that other person in the uh, studio here is our next guest, but do you have a new book coming out or something you're working on? Yeah, I have a book, Postgate, uh, How the Washington Post uh, Betrayed Deep Throat, Covered Up Watergate, and Began Today's Partisan Advocacy Journalism. You can go to your listeners. You can go to postgatebook.com, Postgate Book. I'll tell you this. 
you won't be able to put the book down once you start. It's very juicy, and you'll learn an awful lot about Watergate that you didn't know and about Watergate journalism you didn't know, and it feeds right into the uh, dishonest media we have today. That's where it all started. You started getting Pulitzer Prizes, movies, and books, uh, and millions of bucks for <clears throat> deceiving the public. So <laughs> well, it works. Fraud pays. Well, you, you have it where um, you also talk about Deep Throat in there, and you reveal a lot of things that has never been put out in the uh, major media. So it's a great book to read, and I've enjoyed it immensely. Matter of fact, as people listen to the podcast later on in the archives, all they have to do is click on the description where I have the link to your book. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, you'll learn an awful lot about what Deep Throat was really up to and the things that Deep Throat discovered that the post did not publish so that's so i think it's kind of fun it's kind of fun and the fraud kept continuing when i came on the scene and was representing mark uh in early 2000s and um it's it's something it's a page turner i'll tell you that you know so i think everybody should read it for their own edification here as to what i'm talking about i'm not listen i didn't write this to make money it took me nine years to do it so well that that must have been fun doing the income taxes afterwards because I know that you can actually backdate your income taxes from if you can prove when you start the book to when you finish. <laughs> so, <'cause laughs> I, make any I started. I can't it's tell you how many I started. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Hey, listen, it's been a blast. Good talking to you guys, huh? All right, John, you're welcome anytime. Oh. So God bless you and thank you for all the hard work you do. Keep it up, sir. Okay. See y'all. Take care. John O'Connor, check out his book at postgatebook.com. I have to apologize. Again, I see people popping up in the studio. We had to go very old school today because for whatever reason, my studio equipment is not working. Um, The computers and everything all light up. Everything, all the bells and whistles are going the way they're supposed to. But I had no sound coming out of my soundboard. It went in, but it didn't come out, and I have no idea what happened here. So something in my settings somewhere along the way got fouled up. So I apologize again if you're trying to listen in on all the other platforms we have. Uh, But it didn't happen today, Curtis. just did not happen. Um, We're waiting for our next guest, Hans von Spakovsky from the Heritage Foundation, to call in. Um, but in the interim, Curtis, what a show we've had today. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> it was very enlightening. And um, we always seem to have super guests, you know, people that can tell us things that we didn't know or to expound on the things that we do know. Um, this is a critical moment, I believe, in Mer- American history. And we need to go into this election with um, – all barrels, you know, of the gun blazing, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> Locked so, and loaded. Locked and loaded yeah, so, is how I say it. Yeah, so it helps that we we have the knowledge base because the left, I'm going to tell you, those guys will challenge us. And if we don't know, you know, our history and the history of our party, and if we cannot back up what we say we believe in, they will make mincemeat out of us. So I always tell people, you know, get to know your party, get to know what it stands for, and be, you know, confident in what you believe, you know, so you can defend yourself 
because they will come after you. Oh, that they will. That they will. And I was looking for something here on my computer, and I'm not finding it. Anyway, it looks like we may not have uh, Hans calling in for whatever reason, Uh, but I'll get a hold of the Heritage Foundation to find out what's going on. But I I want to tell you something. There's been this huge push for these mail-in ballots. That's the huge thing now. The the left wants these mail-in ballots. And here in the great state of South Carolina, I think our state Senate and possibly our state House will do an end run on that one. It's not going to be any unverified mail-in ballots. What they basically have said, uh, which only happened uh, two days ago, the state Senate has passed legislation, which is now going to go to the state House, is that they're going to do like they did for the primary, extend absentee voting. But, however, absentee voting needs your signature to be verified that you are the actual person casting that vote. So, yes, you can absentee vote by mail or go to the um, election headquarters or one of their satellites and vote absentee there prior to election day. So you have up to a certain time period in which you can mail in your ballot, ballot, and it has to be received by a certain date. So they're giving you a two-week period between the time, your deadline, to mail in the ballot, so it must be postmarked by a certain date, to the time that it's received. So they're allowing for the post office to have a delay of mail, two-week period, which is excellent. So the ballot must be verified. And if you do mail it in, there's a time limit and a time limit to receipt. So that's good. That is very good. Um, But you have other states that want to have mail-in ballots not based upon the requirements for absentee ballots. So absentee ballot means that you're disabled, uh, you're overseas, uh, you're at work and cannot get off in time to vote. Um, you're going to be traveling on vacation and not being near your polling place. There has to be a specific reason, a designated reason on why you vote absentee. So they're not going to allow an election commission or board or any other entity to mail you a ballot that you just simply fill out sign and mail back without being verified or without cause, that's not going to happen in the state of South Carolina. But this is what they're pushing in various other states, where in mail-in balloting can be your dog just voted. And we're seeing instances of this in Virginia, where a couple, uh, an example that showed up recently is that a couple had divorced. And three mail-in ballots went to the residence where the couple had originally lived, one in each of their name and one in the name of the dog. Is that something, Curtis? It is. It is. And I will say this much about those on the left. I believe they are really desperate right now. I think they're looking at their internal polls polls and they know that their candidate is not only a flawed candidate but one who who doesn't have a chance against Trump and I just think they're going to go way out they it's like having a tiger 
backed up into a corner, you know. They're going to try everything they can to win this election. Um, and as uh, Malcolm X used to say, Malcolm X used to say, by any means necessary. So I think we need to be on, on guard against this, especially when it comes to um, how we we vote, you know, whether we do it by mail or show up at the, you know, polling places, the precincts. But um, hopefully some of these court cases that are addressing this issue of uh, the mail-in votes will be completed long before, you know, November 3rd and early voting, and we can avoid this. Because I just don't trust it. I don't trust it. Well, what we're also seeing is is that each state handles the elections differently. You know how they handle the ballots differently, and uh, some states do not count absentee votes that are mailed in um, until the, if it's within a certain percentage. Say, for example, there's a five percent gap between the winner and the others, where there may be a protest or a 1% gap. Whatever it is, each state is differently. I'm just throwing the numbers out just to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. So those mail-in ballots, the absentee ballots, will not be counted unless it's a close election. And this is where people are under the false idea that these ballots you mail in your ballot, you're going to actually have that ballot counted. Not necessarily. You've got to check your state's individual um, regulations, rules, laws, whatever they are. Now, here in the state of South Carolina, absentee mail-in ballots will be opened, I believe it's, they will start opening them three days before the actual election. And then they will be logged in on the day of election. So they will be counted as if they were as in-person ballots. So that's how South Carolina handles it. What your state does, I can't answer. But not all mail-in ballots will be treated the same as an in-person, at-the-polling-place ballot. Now, here at the state of South Carolina, if you go to the voters, whatever station it is that you have within your county, if you actually go to the voters, uh, I can't even think of what the heck they call it. I've got a major brain fart here. Uh, but if you actually go to where you would normally go to register vote, you go in there, they have the machines there, so you actually are voting in person, but you're voting before Election Day. So that's how it works here, Curtis. <clears throat> well, that's that's the thing about the states and, you know, the states being different um, in their policies and things because – Florida, we have early voting, but there are some states that do not have early voting. You know, they do things differently. Everybody comes and votes on one day. So that is why I say, you know, there's no uniformity in any of this. And I would be very, very dubious of, you know, people being acceptant of mail-in voting. And I'm not talking absentee ballot, you know, where you have to go through some some sort of scrutiny. But mail-in voting, 
I just don't trust that. I think they're going to cheat. I think they already got um, boxes of, of, you know, um, bogus ballots ready to go. Kind of like what happened down in um, the Fort Lauderdale area um, the last time they found boxes and boxes of ballots. They couldn't explain oh, it. Oh, yes. Yeah, we we talked about that on the show. All of a sudden, these ballots all showed up. Now, here, here's, here's the funny thing. All right, uh, picture this, Curtis. I'm going to run through this scenario. Uh, you're Joe Blow. All of a sudden, in your mailbox comes these mail-in ballots. They're not in your name. You toss them aside. Maybe you might throw them away. You just toss them aside. How many people are going to actually sit down as soon as they get it, fill it out, and mail it back? And number one, they're not supplying the postage. So you've got to pay for that postage. That's 50 cents a stamp. Uh, say, if you, for example, your house gets three or four of these, or maybe even five of these. That that starts to rack up. Hey, listen, that, that kind of like digs into your six-pack of Budweiser here. Um, you're not likely to do it. Many of these people, by the time they realize, oh, I should mail this in, it's too late. It's past the postmark date. So I don't see a large response on this. Now, President Trump kind of drove me nuts yesterday when he was talking about people voting twice. Uh, I'm sorry, President Trump. I love you dearly. But that was one of the dumbest things I've heard you talk about. You know, know, mail in your ballot, but then show up the polling place. Well, like the state of South Carolina, that ballot is not going to be entered to the system until Election Day. So, yeah, if you show up at the polling place, your ballot may or may not have already been entered, and you may not or may or may not be already in the system. And if you vote a second time, you're breaking the law. So, Mr. President, you just encouraged Americans to break the law. Uh you get a buzzer on this one. That was a dumb move. But by federal law, all ballots must be certified. All elections must be certified 39 days after November 3rd. Any ballot entered is invalid after that 39th day. So there is a time limit. So you cannot have a challenge to the election that's going to last for months. And this law was upheld under Gore v. Bush in 2000 election by the U.S. Supreme Court. So all these people out there in the left on CNN or MSNBC or any of these other stations, and I'll throw Fox into it too, that's propagating this misnomer, you're not going to see... 39 days out, another lawsuit. It can't be challenged. There will be no redo of the election. Throughout the history of the United States, we have never, ever, ever, and I will say that again, never, ever, ever redone a presidential election. It ain't going to happen, folks. My rant. I I still don't trust them. (laughs) Look at all the constitutional laws they have um, ignored up to this this point in time, especially during the Obama administration. I mean, it's just unbelievable how far these people have gone and how far they have gotten away with. Um, We just need to have a 
a Congress, you know, especially our side, to stand up for, you know, the law and the Constitution and what's right and um, not allow these things to happen. But it's just well, like like most people know, our Constitution is is being, you know, withered away, you know, slowly, you know, wither away until there's going to be nothing but dust from a paper, a piece of paper that used to mean something. Dust in the wind. <laughs> All we are is yeah. dust in the wind. Uh, and they'll wipe their hands and say, we've done it. Well, you know, there's something that we do have to be on guard with uh, because I caught this in passing yesterday as I was doing all my research. But there is a movement mm-hmm. and there is an absolute I, – I don't have the name of the group in front of me, but there is an absolute group that is forming. And their premise is is that it's going to be um, an illegal election, even though Trump – may have garnered the electoral vote and now be reelected. They're going to say he's invalid, he is not president of the United States, and they will make any and every attempt to remove him from office, either legally or physically. I will repeat that. <laughs> legally or physically. And they're already Are you saying they're lining up members of the military and as John, oh, no, it wasn't John O'Connor. It was um, uh, Kurt Schlichter, who happened to have been a U.S. Army Colonel, Reserve, retired. Uh, he said there are members of the military that do swing left, and that will back this movement, like Colin Powell, and others that we have seen out there recently, uh, that will back this movement. There is a you movement know forming in an official pack. There was a, a, a similar um, plot in a movie back in the 50s, um, maybe early 60s. It was called Seven Days in May with Burt Lancaster and Kurt Douglas. And mm-hmm. Burt Lancaster played a general with this secret plot to um, remove the president and declare martial Fonda. law. I believe it was Henry Fonda played the president in that movie. I don't think so, but anyway, Kurt Douglas stumbled upon the plot, and um, of course, he did everything he could to find out more about it and try to, you know, stop it. But that's what that sounds like today, and I don't think it's going to happen because, first of all, the president has a secret service, and I don't care how many rogue military, former military um generals, admirals, whatever, that want to overthrow the president, they're not above the law, and that's insurrection and what they're attempting Mm -hmm. to do. And they could be put to death, you know, and found guilty. It's not going to happen. First of all, Trump supporters ain't going to let that happen. (laughs) So, but you you got a point, you know, whenever you you hear something from the left, you got to take it seriously. Because they mean business. Because they're very patient. Very patient. And devious. And devious. If it takes them 10 years, they stay on point. They stay focused. Yeah. We're also going to have to look out for ballot harvesting. That's going to be another thing. 
Um, look at what they did to our nursing homes with the COVID virus. Now they're going to use that COVID virus as an excuse to go into nursing homes and other facilities like them to ballot harvest. They will get the person who may have Alzheimer's or other forms of dementia, uh, and they will get a signature on a ballot and fill out the ballot for them. Again, we've got to be alert and aware. Now, you got to remember, I, the 2016 election was pretty damn close. It was. And, but I... I really think going to win by landslide. I think it's going to be something like Reagan, you know, winning 49 out of 50 states. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they're, you know, you got that silent majority that's not going to um, declare who they're, you know, voting for because they don't want the hassle. They don't want the vitriol. And they just want to be left alone. And especially in the black community, there's a lot of blacks that support this president. But unfortunately, some are still in the closet. But nevertheless, their vote is still going to count on November the 3rd. So I can see this man winning and winning big. So I'm not I'm not worried. Not at all. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I'm looking at the clock. We're coming down to almost the end of the show, and I want to thank everyone for joining us. But, Curtis, you know, we got ourselves some great shows lined up. We are actually booked through the end of this month. Uh, thank you for your help on some of this. Um, we have uh, two individuals uh, joining us next week. Well, I'm actually waiting for the second person to finally confirm. But my buddy, Mike Cutler, that I've known for, God, <laughs> too long, um, he has mm-hmm. his own podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. People can find him at MikeCutler.net, former INS agent, uh, a recovering Democrat. Uh, but uh, he he had um, testified before the 9-11 Commission in Congress a couple of times because next show we do will be on 9-11. 9-11, so he, yeah. Yes, next Friday is 9-11, so we're going to do a special show. Normally I do a taped show, and I take the day to remembrance and prayer for myself and for the friends I've lost on that day and for all the others that that were lost that day. But Mike Cutler is going to join us, and we're going to do a special show on just 9-11 next Friday. Uh, And then following that, um, very interestingly, uh, just – I didn't plan this. It just fell into my lap. Ken Hansen, he's the author of a new book called Whose Holy Land? He is a natural storyteller, and he's done books and presentations and videos and things about uh, everything, any possible, about the ancient texts of Israel and the Holy Lands out there. He's a Hebrew scholar uh, and uh, He's also an authority on the Holocaust. So Ken Hansen, Dr. Ken Hansen, will be joining us the following Friday after 9-11. And this, I'm telling you, Curtis, I didn't plan this. Um, Holocaust survivor, survivor Trudy Strobel uh, ended up working with a playwright and poet, Jody Savin, um, who happens to be a friend of our of Daphne Barak, uh, who's been on the show a few times. And Daphne is the one that brought, oh, yeah. the two of the, brought them to my attention. Um, Jody Savin wrote a book 
based upon the life of Trudy Strobel, who was, as I said, a Holocaust survivor, titled Stitched and Sewn, The Life-Saving Art of Holocaust Survivor Trudy Strobel. Trudy was a child when she was sent to the concentration camps, and she was never able to talk about what she endured. And she ended up finally being able to express it through sewing. And she made these wonderful tapestries and other items that um, Jody writes about and writes about her history. So we've got some great, great shows coming up. And the following Friday after that, uh, your buddy, uh, Congressman Ted Yoho. Oh, call out AOC. <laughs> AOC, you listen. Oh, yeah. Ted he, Yoho. Ho, 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 ho. I'm sure he's going to talk about that, <laughs> that little run-in. And then we'll we have attorney... Attorney Timothy um, Dave back on. Oh, great! I mean, we're, we're we're actually swamped. We've got people lining up to come back on the show, which is a good thing for us. But that's all we got here for today, Curtis. Um, and uh, I guess we'll just tell people we will see them um, next Friday on nine eleven, and hopefully I'll get my running up properly. I got to figure out what the heck went on, and then cut and slice a new video to put up on Facebook and uh, and uh, YouTube, and get it out to WTEC radio and all the other outlets. So I apologize for the screws, mm-hmm. but I didn't do it. But I'm going to leave with Sugarcane Jane, their final cut of their album called Holy Spirit. So for a few moments before the end of the show cuts off, just sit back. Relax and listen in.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.